Hello, all, and welcome to the premiere episode of Hold Up, a movie podcast. I am your host, Davin Skelhorn, and with me, my co-host, the host, perhaps with the most, we'll see, World Mind, Chris Murphy. How's it going, good sir? No, it's not going. It's not going bad at all. I'm excited to do this new podcast with you. I so am this too. Is, I am too. Yeah. So this podcast is a podcast where Murphy and I will debate, discuss, perhaps even win each other over on our perspectives. You know, I'm going in with an open mind. I don't know about you, Murphy. I mean, I'm definitely going in with an open mind. I just, uh, I'm going to go in with a critical eye <laughs> as well. So, I mean. As am I. Um, am I. <laughs> with me, almost I'm, a ear. Movies are also like songs for me. And if they're, they're not cohesive like a, a good piece of music, then I find issue. So what we're going to do here, and we'll have guests on occasion. But we're going to highlight three movies. Uh I'll, I'll choose two from the previous century, because uh, that's where my heart lies in the movies that I enjoy the most. Um, from the classics from the 30s and 40s to the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, I love it all. Uh, maybe not Everything all. Everything prior to the year 2000, Davin's. Well, no, history. look, see, we don't, we don't want to get too extreme in these opinions, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't enjoy a lot of new movies, that's true. And the reasons why, I'm sure we will get into and provide many examples of in this podcast. And Murphy, on the other hand here, uh, he, he enjoys himself a new new piece of content. Enjoys himself a new... Uh, I do, in fact, enjoy myself a new piece of content. Um, I'm, I'm very much a proponent of um, look towards the future and things and... The future have the ability to be surprising and good, and a lot of that stuff can be, you know, leaned on from things of the past. Like, there are things in the past that are done, but they can be redone in the future sometimes better. Sometimes in detrimental. I'm not saying it's all fucking roses by any means, but, like, mm -hmm. you know, I, there are things post-year 2000 that I enjoy thoroughly more than I did mm -hmm. stuff in the 90s. Okay, that's that's very fair. Um, tonight we'll be highlighting The Tingler, starring Vincent Price from 1949. We will also be... Was it 49 or 59? Oh, crap. Uh, actually, it was it's 1959. 59. Yes. Yeah, 59. My mistake. Also, Matinee, starring John Goodman from 1993. Uh, so I'm going to try to choose a movie I haven't seen and a movie that I remember fondly um, each episode. And I've never, I had never seen The Tingler, though I love some Vincent Price. And I loved Matinee as a kid. Um, and Murphy has chosen The Majestic. The Majestic. Yep. Starring Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yep. Yes, yes. Directed by Frank Darabont. Who many of you will know from The Walking Dead season one, <laughs> uh, and of course Shawshank Redemption, and, <laughs> and many other things. Um, you know, I didn't even actually put those two pieces together. That Frank Darabont was the one that also did The Walking Dead, and it's first not season, even like and then they the fired Walking him. Did, no, it's not that he did The Walking Dead season one. He did production on it. He really yeah. directed two episodes, 
And mm. then he tried to be like executive producer or whatever on it. And it just wasn't working out. Yeah. Um, that would happen. Although those first okay. two episodes really were good. the best ones. They were the best, best ones. ones without mm-hmm. a doubt. The best mm-hmm. ones. And everything after that was just a garbage. That show for me, every episode pretty much got worse than the one before it. Yes. Until I just yes, ran out did. of patience just... and steam. Yeah. Yes. But the yes. first two were so like good. Could... They could have just made that a movie. Frank Darabont just could have made that a movie. Here's your walking dead premiere movie like what Battlestar Galactica did they had that opening movie yeah that would have been way better it would have played off way better we would have it would have been less um less culture saturation and we wouldn't mm-hmm. have gotten exhausted with it it would have been so much better if they just gave Frank Darabont the Walking Dead movie instead of trying to milk it into some sort of tv show I think it is that's a, that's a discussion <laughs> for another day I think that is that is um, well, here's what I thought we would start here, Murphy. This is our first episode. We're going to try some things. We'll change things up. You know, you'll never get bored. We'll never get bored. Origin stories. It's our opening segment. So, Murphy, okay. why don't you, you start? Why don't you tell the people where what your origin story with movies is? Where are you coming from Ooh, with movies? Uh... What's it? What's it? What's, with you what's and movies. the movies mean to movies? What's the yeah. movies mean to me? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well, I guess at the core of it, it is like, uh, it just my grandfather and I, we would watch movies when I was growing up. Um, being a single child, every weekend I would get sent to my grandparents, and every weekend my grandfather and I, on the Friday, we would go to Video Quest. Uh, oh, yes. Just off the... St. Margaret's Bay there, um, go to Video Quest, we'd uh, rent, I'd rent a game, well when I started getting the games, if, at first it was like three movies, we would rent three movies and we would try and watch them, and then on the Sunday we would go to the movie theater and catch the latest film that we wanted to see. You try to watch three movies on Saturday? Uh, well no, we would, we would, basically we would like, we would watch a movie on Friday well, I guess it would be like two movies or so, but yeah, it'd be like Friday and Saturday. And then I started getting into games, and games sort of started taking over that time. And I kind of regret that a bit. Um, I wish I'd, I watched more movies with my grandfather, so it just like started getting into playing in games. But at the heart of it, yeah, it was just like we would rent some movies, watch them. And I remember specifically renting uh, Mall Rats, the, or Clerks the Cartoon. No, I rented Mall Rats. And I watched that, and I loved it. That was my first introduction to Kevin Smith. Mine, too. And, then I, and found, I loved it. <laughs> I found Clerks the Cartoon thinking it was a cartoon based off of Mallrats. And I was like, this okay. is not anything like I suspected. And then I learned that there was a movie called Clerks, and then I just fell into the whole Kevin Smith universe. And then I just like fell into um, like movies and... and um, cinema as a whole and I started like you know researching how to make them myself and one thing led to another and I started doing some small film projects with yours truly um called the people versus Christ and yes I, yes. Uh, <laughs> I was in that you were in that um guess who played Christ I, I could I could imagine he was casting role perfection in my opinion um <laughs> But yeah, we ended up doing that, and yeah, I've ultimately like moved to Toronto to chase filmmaking dreams. But you know, uh, always uh, film 
uh, aficionado and lover at heart. And, and, and it all just boils down to the times I spent with my grandfather every weekend watching movies. Watched so many movies with him. It was good times. Yeah, it's very sweet. I like that. Yeah. All right. What about well, yourself, for, sir? Well, for me, basically, I just had a TV in my room since I was like, I don't know, since I could walk. And I had the movie network and A&E and the full cable package. So I stayed up all day, all night, to the wee hours, watching things I shouldn't. And watching things a million times. Like, anything that was on the movie network in the 90s, I probably saw 10 times. So I saw Shawshank Redemption 10 times, and I saw Matinee, which we'll see tonight probably 10 times. Um, so movies were very formative for me. I, Yeah, so I just have a long history with a lot of movies and good ones, I, uh, bad ones. Um, I remember that's it remember for me, pretty much. Days. Yeah, I, I loved that. Days. But also A and E, or you know, that's where I'd see the fancy stuff or the really old stuff. You'd Bravo get and Showcase, man. Yeah, those as me. well. Yep, I had those. That's where, as like, well. I saw like Crash and like movies. That's I where I saw. Like... No, I saw Crash on the movie <laughs> network. But yeah, yeah, I think I well, I saw Crash like. Which crash? Because there's like two crashes, right? It's Cronenberg. Yeah, I think I saw. Is it the Cronenberg crash where everyone? Where they just crash drinking? cars and have sex? Yes. Yeah. That's a terrible yes. movie, actually. It is. It I watched is, it a bunch of times because time. I was a kid and people were having sex in cars. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's it's. And you know what? Always the scene where he like touches her leg that's got like yeah. the scarring up it that shit always put a chill up my spine yeah and she's like, just got like braces on and the, mm. so it's all super awkward yeah it's a super weird mm. movie i mean it's a, it's such a weird movie yeah. but uh so yeah i just have uh an extensive Actually, catalog of movies in my brain and that's where I'm i want to know if you've seen this movie okay this gets a little a little taboo a little x-rated if you will but oh, there was uh, this I remember a specific film. I think it was on Bravo or a Showcase. It was mm-hmm. a foreign film of short movies, like short films and shit like that. And I think it was three of them. I can specifically remember two because of the scenes that happened in the two films. Um, the first one was this Russian soldier getting into a hotel. Oh, no, no, sorry. The first one was this guy and this girl. They get back to his apartment. Um, they're having sex or whatever. She proceeds to blow the blow him, and she like they both fall asleep, and she just wakes up. Apparently, she fell asleep with his dick in her mouth, and she woke up, and then just proceeded to continue filleting this dude, who then woke up, and was like shocked and appalled that this chick was just still going, and he freaks out and kicks her out. And I just That's like remember incredibly that strange, and no, I definitely haven't seen that one. Okay. Maybe you'll have and, to make it the, one of your picks one day on this. I <laughs> honestly can't remember the name of this movie. I swear to fuck. And it's like, last it's century, so, so that's more uh, something I would have to pick. Um, <laughs> um, the other thing, and, and the other one was, and it must have been Russian or something. It was this Russian soldier. He's going to a hotel. He gets himself a sex worker. Um, she's giving him the spiel, like, it's yada yada for this, it's yada yada for that. Um, and he's like, I heard that you can give head while singing the national anthem. And she's like... So was this, was this movie called Blowjobs or something? 
No, 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 no. It was just like one of those like midnight showcase like. I know they got pretty kinky like, those taboo. things. Yeah, yeah. Like, like this. Were those were all bad were, movies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, I remember this one's so weird. He's like, "Can I get a blowjob with the national anthem?" And she's just like, "It's Stone Cold," and she's like, "That's basically like two thousand dollars." And he's like taken back by the price, but he's like, "No, no, I want to do it." She's like, "Okay, the lights have to be off." like okay and she's like the lights have to be off he's like okay she turns the lights off and she proceeds to start doing it she proceeds to start singing the russian national anthem as she's doing it buddy in the dark gets all curious fucking reaches over oh, turns no. the lamp on she just like raises her head moves her hair to the side and shows that she's missing a fucking eyeball <laughs> Oh, she's like one-eyed Katie from the blues song by Sam Jones. <laughs> she's she's, like a, she's all woman, but not one bit lady. <laughs> she's just like giving this guy head with her eye socket while singing the national anthem. And I was just like, ah! I think I was yeah. like 16 when I saw this. I haven't was seen so that like, movie. Okay, well, I guess just me uh, then. If anybody who's an watching this knows yeah. what I'm talking about, tell the fucking title in the comments because I can't remember it for the life of me. I just remember it scarring me. I would assume we're not going to start every episode talking about blowjobs, but you know what? It is what it is. Uh, Murphy Hold brought, took us there. Wait a minute. We, what? All right. Is this not a podcast not? about these things? No, it's not, Murphy. We were supposed to talk about classy films. Look at our nice classy logo. Oh, well. Anyway, tonight's theme, we're going to have a theme every episode, is cinema. So, uh, the ting you'll see why, how all these films connect as we go. But they definitely have a, a cinema theme. Yeah, there's um, one connecting th uh, strat of, of thematic through all these films, and we're going to try and yep. maintain that thematic, yep, depending yep. on each episode. Um, yep. So yeah, you started yeah. with the Tingler. Um, I think yes. it's only best that we show the audience the the Does trailer for up? the Tingler. And yes, then we will. We'll find out if it holds up. Let's just one second there, Murphy, before you launch that trailer. So. We're going to be asked the reason the podcast is called hold up i probably should have said this earlier ooh, is ooh, because yes. we're going to ask and really we're going to ask does it hold up for the two movies that i choose to modern standards now it'll be more murphy answering that question but you know i'll have my comments of course and then i think we'll i think we should have about a, the, we should uh, just sorry to interject but I we're think, both gonna yeah yeah we'll, we'll yeah. both state if it holds up and give it yeah maybe like absolutely a sliding scale yeah okay we're both going to, but for me, most of the older things are probably going to hold up. So it'll, it'll be more interesting to see what Murphy thinks of that question. And for the, the newer ones, uh, we'll be asking, does it measure up to the quality cinema of the past century? Mm, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yes. And uh, I've got some other things to do here and stuff. Now, that brings us to Act One of our podcast Launch it, Murphy. Welcome to the Tingler, ladies and gentlemen. I'm William Castle, and I feel obligated to warn you about the next attraction you will see at this theater. The picture is the Tingler, which I directed. And for the first time in motion picture history, members of the audience, including you, will actually play a part in the picture. You will feel some of the physical reactions the shocking sensations experienced by the actors on the screen. 
I guarantee that the Tingler has more shocks per minute than my last film, The House on Haunted Hill. But don't be alarmed. You can protect yourself. When you see the picture, you will be told and remember the instruction how you can guard yourself from attack by the Tingler. And now may I show you a few scenes from the Tingler? Yes, please. talking but i didn't realize i was muted i, I yeah, realized that all those words couldn't be possibly seen by anyone that may be listening to an audio version of this are we doing an audio version of this i don't know but yes we are but you know yeah. what we're gonna show trailers and stuff this is better as a video podcast but you can still mm. hear the trailer and things so i think this will still hold up as an audio podcast but if you want to see what's going on with these movies you know definitely tune in on your facebooks your youtubes your twitch you know it's funny because I put an old-timey radio voice. I'm like, William Hurt's The Tingler, a Columbia Pictures presentation. Oh, well. So, it would have been fun. Okay, let me open with a little... Okay, so that was The Tingler starring Vincent Price and directed by William Castle. William Castle's going to be a huge thread between the two movies I chose. Um, now, a little opening thesis here. So what that trailer showed us is that what this movie-going experience was was a legit experience like this was new these were new things william castle was bringing with like uh rigging he rigged the gimmicks yes Yes, no but they were gimmicks but that's fun movies for me should be entertaining and fun a good movie for me is rewatchable now if i watch a movie i'm like okay that was a good movie but i never want to see it again you know that loses some value for me and I find that's less the case with older movies now. Also because they're shorter, generally, which helps. But True. So that would have been a great movie-going experience, and that stuff's new. Like People would have lost their shit when the tingler comes on screen and all of a sudden their chair starts to vibrate. I mean, sure, if there's somebody in the mindset at the time, yeah, probably would have been like, oh, what the fuck, my chair's vibrating, what is happening, you know, like... I get that, sure. Yes, I guess at the time that was a somewhat innovation, but 
can it really be called innovation if it's not something that's been replicated? Uh, those things have been replicated. Have you ever heard of D-Box seats? I mean, okay. They're but still doing it. They're still making chairs vibrate. And William Castle started that in 1959. Motherfucker, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm prepared for this podcast, buddy. You're not going to walk all over me, bud. <laughs> with, with all your fancy schooling. Tell ya. All right. So, counter thesis, though. Representing your perspective, okay? Now, the reason I don't like a lot of modern movies is I feel they have an inherent disadvantage and that's not their fault when something has been done before and done amazingly well and then maybe even a few more times by the time you get to modern times I find a lot of movies now try too hard because they have to like they're so desperate to be different that like like I agree with you which I, I suspect is something you'll say later is if you were to release the tingler today would people think that was a great movie? Probably god, no. not. Oh god, no! It was like I. As but I no, no. Watched I'll, it today, I'll, I'll, I can. I won't. I'll let you. Switch. No, it's still super enjoyable for me. Someone who likes classic movies, but but it would still be better than a lot of the stuff that does get released today, because garbage gets released constantly in this um, content-starved and craving. Uh, film world we live in now where it's just competing platforms that all want to just fill their menus with you know you can't fill it with quality you can't fill your platform with quality pictures and, and great new things at the rate they want to so yeah that was my opening thesis <laughs> okay 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 so so to counter your on. thesis yep go for I, it i want to i want to ask you first yeah how did you hear about the tingler what introduced you to this film the tingler how did i hear about the tingler oh it could have been a lot of ways because i've been a big vincent price fan for a long time so i've gone through his catalog and just tried to click or knock things off the list for years and years so i've always mm -hmm. been aware of it um i didn't really know the depth of it as far as like um, the the gimmicks and stuff like that um, until later on and then you know matinee does that as well which we'll talk about mm -hmm. later which because yeah. basically in matinee john goodman is playing william castle they call him uh, uh, okay no no uh, i i get that <clears throat> for sure yeah. like um and, and again I, we'll touch more so basically big matinee. vincent price fan <laughs> I, I think I think your love of Vincent Price and your obvious love for the matinee has given you some rose-colored glasses on the Tingler as a film. Um, well, we'll talk I'm not that. to say I I'm not one that doesn't like a good you know 40 50s noir film if it's done right. It's not a noir film. film. Well, I mean I say noir as in like black and white okay. pre-color era. Um, so not exactly noir, but there were moments of noirism in this film. Mm. Um, like it, it was definitely leaning on some of the, the tropes. Now, if this film was at the time meant to be like a spoof or a farce, then maybe I'll understand it a bit more, but it it's definitely not... feels like it's been played off as this is meant to be a serious horror film to a B movie level. 
And... Yes, it's, it's meant to be a B-level horror film. Yeah, okay. Yes. So it's in, not meant to be re- taken seriously. It's meant it's meant to be as enjoyable as possible. It's like a B, yeah, a good B movie from the 80s. It's like watching the reanimator. It's like it's just bonker sauce and so it's enjoyable, but it's like you know, so insane is it this like great like cohesive song as I like to say about things. Maybe not. But it's it, it it's 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 to be taken on that level. Like the movie movies like Reanimator and stuff are trying to be things like the Tingler, but like a, a newer version of that. So, and the the interesting thing about the Tingler is it's kind of caught between worlds. Nineteen fifty nine is kind of like the end of of like that old school Universal horror uh, stage in in film, and it's like that's when things started to become more like the stuff that matinee plays off of where everything's like you know nuclear fallout like that became the big thing horror went away sci-fi came in you have giant monsters and the credible hulk and things caused by nuclear bombs you know and it's kind of caught in between those so it's sort of like not really either it's more old school horror but it's like it's also more science driven and yeah it's definitely so it's science driven horror but like yeah, it's a terrible one. Oh my god, no, we're gonna get into it. It's definitely not. We got some comments. We got what do we get? Who's talking? no? We don't got comments. I think that's just some oh. bot coming in. This I think that's oh, something great. that needs to be blocked. So we're just gonna disregard Thanks. that. Thanks, bot. Yeah, the, I don't know how to block yeah. you yet, but I will. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, okay, have, so uh, let me just okay, just to clarify, are we on the LLAP YouTube or are we on our own YouTube? Our own. Oh, okay, so I don't have access to this, otherwise I would have blocked it already. Um, okay. Anyway, we'll do that later. Um, that All being right, so, let me get into the plot. We'll discuss the plot and storytelling first, but I'll just give the brief synopsis. So we have a scientist played by Vincent Price, and he's discovered that every person within them has this little creature in the back of their spine, and what keeps it small and dormant is screaming essentially because it feeds off fear and that releases your fear and then like shrinks the creature down oh looks like murphy's already coming in no well let me let me just play something finish your thing finish your thing i'm just gonna make a note (laughs) well i'm just gonna start us off with this actually i am william castle the director of the motion picture you're about to see i feel obligated to warn you that some of the sensations some of the physical reactions which the actors on the screen will feel will also be experienced for the first time in motion picture history by certain members of this audience. I say certain members because some people are more sensitive to these mysterious electronic impulses than others. These uh, unfortunate sensitive people will at times feel a strange tingling sensation. Others will feel it less strongly. But don't be alarmed, you can protect yourself. At any time you are conscious of a tingling sensation, you may obtain immediate relief by screaming. Don't be embarrassed about opening your mouth and letting rip with all you've got. What? That's a great sci-fi. It's a stupid fucking concept. I'm sorry. What is this, Venom? No, you want to get... save your life. You want to get a reaction out of the audience, especially back then. Like you just wanted to. He's force handing a reaction out of his audience because Basically. his fucking storytelling sucks 
dick. I'm well, look, so gonna sto- rip into the, this. I, the mm. storytelling is the stick the story isn't the the best part of this movie. It's the Nothing is about oh what's the oh. best part? Please tell Look, me what's the best part about this movie. For one, dive to know what you think. There's, this inc- is a good there's movie. great dialogue, which all old movies have. One, it, it goes at a great pace. Well, hold on, let me finish my friggin' uh plot first. Um so he's a scientist, he discovers this and he wants to experiment on it and like you know, really figure it out. Um and, you know, he's not super evil or crazy. Like, he's a, there's a character progression here. He tries to do it in, like, more humane ways. Mute your phone. What? Huh? Mute your phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So, he tries to, like, experiment on cats first, for example. You say go get a cat. You ever chase a cat down a back alley? I'm lucky to be alive. Did you get one? A big black brute. Trouble is, I don't think we can scare him. Well, what are you two up to now? Black cats and dark alleys. <laughs> anyway. I mean, he could have gone to a pet store. Is there no pet stores in the fucking 50s? Probably not. Maybe not in that neighborhood. It didn't seem to be the best neighborhood. Um, I don't know. It seemed to be New York or something like that. I'm not 100 percent sure where that. Real, I don't know where was. it was. There was only two. There was yeah. only two sets. The upstairs yeah, movie his theater office. and his office and, and his the fucking house. In the street. Uh, in the street outside the movie theater. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was it. So like five sets. Yeah. But that's fine because that's that's like that speaks to the quality of the dialogue, and 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 <laughs> the sets were good. No, look this like, this line's this line's hilarious. And you should remember this, too, darling. Organic poisons are like old soldiers. They never die. They just lie smoldering in the grave. And I'm not bad at autopsies, either. And I'm not bad at autopsies. That's freaking, that line is better than like any line I've seen in a modern movie in like two years. Because like, it's actually smart and witty and clever. You don't get that anymore. Like When we get to the Majestic, we'll be talking about how not witty or clever any of that is. Oh no, I liked that, was, that movie. But I liked it, it, but yeah, we'll get but, to that too. I've got thoughts like it, on that. I wasn't impressed, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. But and another thing I like about this movie and like older movies, especially ones from as far back as like the fifties or something like that, is there's no wasted scene and there's no wasted dialogue. Like again, to to zoom ahead for a minute, the majestic I could have cut forty five minutes out of and it would have lost nothing. I agree with that too. Nothing. Yeah, sure, and like, absolutely. And and like that's that's a regular complaint I have with modern, well, movies and TV shows. Like, how often do people complain about a show? A show that like, well, that should have been four episodes less, or like people like it's just there's so much filler. And life is short, man, and I don't get filler. Time you, for filler. Okay, uh, so yeah, that's why I'm also I appreciate. I also don't get movies. time for fucking exposition. There's so much exposition in this fucking goddamn no, movie. No, it's not so it's much like exposition as scientific explanation, which I like as a Star Trek fan. They're explaining the science behind it all and stuff like that. Some exposition, maybe, but not... No, there was a lot of exposition. You know, when, when the husband is like, this is my wife, she's deaf and dumb. I fucking lost my shit. I lost my shit at that line. It was... Like this that, movie. That's what is... they said back in those days, though. They that's what they said mm, back in those days. No, I People know always... because 
But, like, this movie is just, like, dripping in exposition and patriarchal bullshit to the to a degree that it's almost infuriating to watch right now. Well, look, that's a complaint I have about a lot of old anything, is it's hard to, like, you have to wade through the misogyny sometimes. But that's not what that is. Like, that was just, like, ignorance. Like, they used to always call the famous uh, performer Helen Keller deaf, dumb, and stupid. Like, or blind, deaf, and dumb, they'd always say. It's just, like, what? where does the dumb come in? Like... Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. liked that term, and like, you just have to let. No, I I did appreciate the fact that that um, Evelyn did actually like go through the process of learning sign language. Like she was yeah. a perfectly fine speaking actress, and she actually learned ASL for the role. And it's I don't know if she did. No, because she the way did. They explained I, 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 no, it in I, the movie. Did they? Because the way they no, explained she, it in the movie actually, is it's her own she actually thing. did. I. The first time I saw it, I'm like, ah, it's a little sloppy. What is, like, uh, and then I thought, okay, maybe it's just old ASL. But, like, I looked into it, and she actually took the time to learn sign language That's awesome. for the performances of the film. So, like, kudos to her for doing that. Because if she didn't, and she just flopped her hands about I was about to rip into that, but she didn't. So, like, good no, job good. on the It looked that. like it was something, anyway. It, it's, like the one, it's like the one point for this movie that I'll give. Like, they, oh they, they yeah. did give a little deaf representation, but, like, in the most basic and ignorant manner. Um, but in the ways they did it, like, for that time, okay, sure. I'll, the, they get a point, they get a soft point for that, but, like... So, so basically, because it's the 50s and they don't have great microscopes or anything like that, he realizes he needs to find a way for a tingler to get larger. If he's ever going to be able to study it. But everybody screams when they're afraid. Well, and he okay, can't be so... scared. That's the thing about him. He's like, I even experiment on myself, but nothing scares me. Which I thought was a, a cool character uh, thing for him. Um, it just like separates him from other people and things like that. It just makes him a bit different. But okay, so, so he so... finds that there's this deaf woman so he's, she, who can't scream because she's like also a mute. So he's like, I'll just scare her. The tingler will yeah. grow. And then I can study it. So this is where he's becoming evil. He's like, because, you know, this thing could kill her. I don't know. But, like, he doesn't really care. He's all about the science, this guy. Like, any true mad scientist, like Dr. Frankenstein or any of them, right? Oh, so let me get a, I get a couple images here. So so that's, like, what the tingler looks like. A fucking, like, earwig centipede creature. Yeah, which, basically. By the way, any time that thing was on screen, like, garbage. There's the... There's the it's it not looked like garbage, but it, no, but like the, you look, could see the fucking strings pulling it for you. You sakes. have to you have to take this as a B movie, and and from the fifties, like there are B movie things from the eighties that don't look any better than this. So keep they that get rid mind. of the strings. Like okay, listen, I'll 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 give it some passes. The fact that it's a, a late fifties B movie, but like it doesn't like even even still that's cool like, shot. Like that's interesting. Is it? It's a because it it's a really because yes yeah, because it's a bug right it's something that grows it's, against it, your yeah spine but like it's bigger. like it's not even like a scary looking bug or anything like, it is it's if it's on like, your spine and coming out of your body like all I all I saw this thing was I was like okay so what is this just like some spine yurt from you know like you remember animorphs you remember that thing back in the day you never read animorphs okay so back. Animorphs had these things called yurts, which would take over people's minds, and they would. There's a whole alien colony taking over people. Anyway, 
same sort of premise, but like that is far more terrifying in the way that they did it because it would crawl through your ear and take over your brain and connect to your brainstem and like control you. This thing just grew on your spine when you got f afraid and squeezed you so hard that your spine broke and you died. Yeah, but to you what see what's degree? awesome. But what's awesome about the tingler is remember where this is in the 1959. Awesome so so it's That's it's a loose statement. Whoa, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because, because, Murphy, people didn't know the explanations to these things. You can't just Google, like, why is it when I'm afraid, does my body tingle? Or, like, why does, like, screaming make all that go away or make me feel good? Why do I scream when I'm afraid? Like, there were no answers to these things that were at least common knowledge back then. So, like, a, a, a clever writer like William Castle sees that. And just like, oh, how can I craft that into a film and a horror film? And I think he did a pretty good job at that. So, like crafting fear into a horror film, like, you but like ex scientific explanations of these things. It's just like, well, why, like, what is the connection between like the tingling you feel and screaming? And he's just like, well, maybe there's a bug that, like, you know, that's pretty clever, like, sci fi horror stuff. And I mean, that's pretty basic. I don't understand blood pressure and skin like level. That's the fifties, man. Nerves. Like you, I you mean, can't. No, I get that. You can't sure, watch these like... movies in the mindset of the internet. Okay. Well, see, see I, mean... I I'm I'm an old ass man. I remember the time before the internet, and I'm a bit nostalgic for it because the internet has basically ruined the world. But okay. Well, I mean, that being said, all in all, I still think like even if it was before the like, it's it's there. This movie was, there are many things to make this movie bad. You've, you've shone on about its supposed merits, but like, Well, look, reality... here's one more merit. Okay, This fine. is also Give something that gets merit. copied. This has been copied a million times since then. A black and white movie, and all of a sudden you get, like, the, the one color. Like, that's been copied and lauded for its creativity in movies since The Tingler. I don't believe that for one minute. I don't believe that Taylor invented the the color shot. No, it didn't. That was like Wizard of Oz before then. But yeah, like, that's what I thought. But like, it didn't do it in such a degree that it was like. But like super that cool that and... exact trick where a movie or a scene is in black and white and just the blood is red has been used. Many the red times paint is red. You mean it was clear? Yes, of course paint. it's not I real think... blood. They're not filling a bathtub with blood, Murphy. They don't do that in modern movies either. No, I know <laughs> that, but like, there's corn syrup and ways you make blood that looks more blood-like as opposed to. Oh like, well, like again, you paint. can't shoot through the lens like that's what this is what progress is like they didn't have tom savini like no that's fair but like i'll, like, I'll admit when i looked into it, i'm like how did they do this apparently the way they actually did that scene is um the everything is in monochrome in camera so they're shooting it on color film the mm. set and like everybody is in monochrome and just the red paint and then they overlaid it with i think monochrome footage that's why it looks so distorted and shitty during that scene like i don't know if you noticed that but like the image quality of everything around the red paint gets terrible compared to the Let's rest see. of the film image quality like look at how like grainy and dark and like just not yeah, fair but you know they're trying new things like this is they're in no, and, and, so and the things that you love in the future you need this well, I'm okay, yeah, but you can say that about any film. All I'm saying is like 
Exactly. These, these are these are small merits. These are visual merits, and you're trying to make these little things. No, make no, it those a are examples movie. of that stuff. I think the the dialogue and and Vincent Price is always likable and captivating to watch. I could watch him do anything. Look at this guy, captivating. No, that, there's no argument there that Vincent Price is not a likable and captivating guy. But Vincent Price is a likable and captivating guy in an overall shitty movie. An overall shitty fucking Look, movie. Look, it's not the best Vincent Price movie, but I... I no, I the, it's they were probably one of his worst by far. But, like, imagine like, you're sitting there in the movie theater, and then... Ladies and gentlemen, please do not panic, but scream! Scream for your lives! The tingler is loose in this theater! My God! No! No! It's terrifying! Is... Okay, I'm done. I'm fucking done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Stop it. Stop! No! No! Stop it! I'm no, done. No. I'm done. No, I'm done. I'm done with this fucking goddamn movie and this incessant need. Stop the clip. Stop the clip, please. I don't know how to do that. Stop the fucking clip. What? Fuck you. No, Look, this is bullshit. That how is that not better than D-Box? No. How is that not better you. than D-Box? No, Martin? no, fuck you. Because D-Box will move you around and do something cool that actually pertains to the movie. That, that is nothing pertains more to the than movie a, more than anything no, D-Box has ever no, done. No, fuck you. Okay, one. All right, now. Look, don't worry, people. Murphy is, and I have been friends no. for like 18 years. We'll hug each other after swearing at yeah. each other. For the the simple and established fact, this is a terrible movie, and I'm going to tell you why this is a terrible movie. One, it's filled with exposition. Two, it's filled with forced hammed fucking plot points to try and make people scare or get a rise out of them and react. That does not make a good movie. You shouldn't need it to It makes an entertaining experience. I agree not, that this is as much, it's maybe perhaps more a fun Is it a good movie or is it an entertaining than, movie? What are you fighting for here? Like, tell me about this. Because you're like, it's would, an amazing movie. To, it's an awesome movie. We would have to define a difference. Okay, well, you keep saying the words, it's an awesome and amazing movie. This is a great movie. This is like, okay. you keep so, leading towards the saying, idea that it's a good movie. That's not me saying the Tingler is the godfather. Okay. I'm not saying it's the godfather, that's not, but no, there's but that's, a definition between good and bad film, and this is objectively a bad film. But are B-movies bad films? Are all B-movies no, bad films? No, no, there are good B-movies. There are some B-movies that stand to the test of but, time. Uh, so many of those are good because they're bad. You know what I mean? To a because degree, but there are some movies. bad movies that are also good in their own right. They just didn't have a budget to make them glossy. Sure. But also, they right? like B movies are usually just ex used to. I'm going to tell you right concepts. now 85%, like for example, 85% of the Tingler's budget was spent on Vincent Price. Yeah, rightfully. He's awesome in it. No. That not that's not how you make a fucking movie. Eighty five percent of your budget. You can get away with that back then when, when you don't have to spend four hundred million on CGI and that is just Well, either way, it's still a, it's still a stake in the ground saying this is another reason why this is a bad movie, because like their budget allocation was spent towards an actor who overacted his, All right, let's... overacted his no 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 no, let me finish. Overacted okay. his very uh, exposition-filled lines. There was a lot of exposition. He did not overact. There, How yeah, dare no, you. no, no. He did. 
he did over Jim Carrey's an Vincent overactor. Price. Vincent Price no, is not an Vincent, overactor. Vincent, Vincent Price, Price is, is an overactor in the 50s. He's a stage okay? actor. He's, a, he's an overactor, and he was overacting in this film. There were moments when he's, like, gaslighting his wife because she's also gaslighting Oh, they hate each other. She, That's a hilarious dude, relationship. That whole she cheats on him constantly. It was, like... Like the the, the oh scene where he God, walks in terrible. the front door and you she, can hear the her her back door man closing the back door. That's a subtle thing you would never get in a modern movie, and it's hilarious. I mean, you could get something subtle like that in a modern movie, but to that you degree, don't. it would probably <laughs> you definitely don't. Listen, modern movies. All I'm gonna say is over the she was movie. she was one of the better characters in the film. Yeah, she was hilarious. But like Vince, it really felt like Vincent Price was phoning it in. Because he knew he could, because it was... <laughs> William Castle took the other twenty five percent of the agreed. budget. Yes, he agreed. did. I agree with that as well. Um, <laughs> For cigars, yeah, maybe <laughs> cigars ain't cheap. Not the ones William Castle smokes. Um. So, like, it's like their budget was direct, misdirected. Their special effects wasn't that great. Their lighting was incredibly harsh. The there was one scene in this entire movie. I it's was dark. Like, that's, it's a bit dark. That's cool lighting. It's not even that it's dark. It's too contrasty. It's too hot on certain areas where it should just be relaxed. The best lighting. Yeah, I agree. And with I that. wish I got in a screenshot of this because I meant to before we started this, but it's too late I might now. Have it. The the best lighting is when he's waiting in the living room with his gun and his he's yeah. waiting for his wife to come in. I just showed you just that like, one. Did you? I didn't see it. Well, he's just standing there with his gun. No, he's not that out. one. No, not that oh. one. He's in the living room. This one, this oh. shot, he's in the living room. He's in the oh. living room standing next to his couch. It's literally like the first scene his wife gets introduced into. Um, him standing in the shade, he was perfectly lit. He looked really cool, and I loved it. Then the moment he stepped out, the glaring highlights of like everything they put in that film was too too drastic to, to 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 not notice that combined with the shit sound design there the music no no there's like, great no, music hold no, on one second no, hold on i got no, something here was... Look, listen all right give me your give me your great music this is a horror movie No, that's not. No, well, no. You compare that to the recycled, like sea level John Williams score in the Majestic, which is just like smack me over the head, boring. The sound in that, the soundtrack in that. No, no. Honestly, that's, the in, sound, that's actually sound super design, interesting and eerie and sets a mood. Like, no, it's it's uh, it's too it's, much. It's not just it's recycled stock. No, 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 no. It's it's just enough. No, no. The key to good horror is. The lack of audio sometimes. This sometimes. thing was just like, no, it's like which it didn't have any music right. through most of it, right? No, what? No, yeah. this definitely had music throughout the entire film. For moments of just like people like walking the streets, it was just like tangent, like whole orchestra and like a whole bunch of trumpet. It was like the music was so overbearing with moments when it definitely didn't need to be. Like if there were moments where they tried to play the horror and they just didn't have the shit music soundtrack behind it, I probably could have gotten into the scenes a bit more, but I couldn't do that with this film. It was, the music was distracting, the sound design was terrible. And then again, the forcing of people screaming as, it's just like, 
that doesn't make a good movie. My strong point here is that you shouldn't have to put fourth wall breaking gimmicks into your horror film to get people terrified in your horror film. A good horror film is going to suck you in from the moment it starts. It's not going to break a fourth wall. It's not going to need some fucking vibrating seat or some nonsense gimmick to get a rise out of you. It's going to suck you into the deep darkness of your soul, put a chill up your spine, and grip you with fear until the resolution that happens before your eyes happens. Because until that moment, your brain is going crazy. And that's the true essence of fear. This movie there are did different not types do that of horror films. Okay, but genre. like if if you're going like if this movie was is labeled as a spoofy, campy, fucking happy-go-lucky time fucking movie, in in the sense that it's spoofing other horror movies it, of that era, it, it kind of like, is okay. because that's what like it's almost William Castle sort of spoofing his own movie in a way because he did House on Haunted Hill, also starring Vincent Price, and that one was a bit more serious take. But, but, and didn't have the which gimmicks. Is, which is but, what perplexed me so much about this film, because William Castle is known for good horror films, but yet he dri- pushes out this dribble. No, so but he's also known for these. Spout, he's also known for these. Okay, well, I don't know his work that well, but, like, to be fair, if it was meant to be a spoof of things, then I'll give it a bit of, like, Not so right. much spoof. I, like, I, again, it's good that I mentioned Reanimator earlier, because it's like that. Like, a lot of 80s horror, and I know you're not a big horror guy, but a lot of 80s horror is also, is like, 90% of it is horror comedy. And that's what The Tingler is. And it's, and you know, honestly, it's one of the first of that form. Like, I can't think of any earlier horrors that were really pushing the comedy element like that. And, like, that that gave us things like Reanimator and all these great horror comedies from the, the 70s and 80s. And one that we'll uh, review next episode as well. Um, I it's, mean, it's in that style. If, it's, if it's meant to be in the genre of, like, a horror comedy, then I'll it, well, give it some leeway. But, like... I think it even is. St- like, even still, I just don't perceive it. Because it is quite funny. Like, like, like I... Like... like like the relationship like, between him and his wife, and a lot of, and like the the relationship. I didn't even see. Between... I didn't find any of it funny. I just found it oh, tasking. So I found, funny. I found a lot of it tasking, a lot of it dry, and a lot of it forced. It just felt tasking, dry, and forced. That's the film to me. No, the relationship feel... remind me of Martok and Sorella from Deep Space Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, where she's just like, "I thought you'd be dead by now," and he's like, "I'll endeavor to die this year if possible." Like. They're one of those couples, man, and it was freaking. Except for he was cheating on, but I don't know. I thought they had a funny. But we won't belabor this movie any. Okay, I'm gonna say this. Earlier, we were talking about like, like you had mentioned how fucking a slog the majestic was gonna be because it's two and a half hours, and I was like, ah, fuck, I didn't even realize it. It there there were moments where I was tuning out. I'm not gonna lie, but we'll get into that. But to my what I was going to speak upon that is if a movie's good, it doesn't matter how long it is because it's going to suck you in from beginning to end okay. without a moment's being now, noticed. That brings us to what I want us to cover here. We need to define, you need to define good movie because you're like, what's the difference between, is this a good movie or an entertaining movie? For me, I don't separate those two things. If I'm entertained, that's a good movie. If I'm bored, that's a bad movie. As artsy or fartsy as you think that boring-ass movie may be, if it bores me to tears, 
or I tune out halfway in or 10 minutes in or 20 minutes in, it's a bad movie. You know what? That's See, why, like, the Star Wars prequels are bad movies because they're boring. They may have good CGI and all these technical things people can loud or whatever, but they're boring, and so they're bad movies. Yeah, but no, boring so, is a barometer. That's, so that's that, why when that's... I say The Tingler is a good movie, I'm not saying it's like The Godfather or Shawshank Redemption or some of these great movies, you know. But it entertained me, and so it's a good movie. And would I watch The Tingler again? I think I would. I feel bored with just about every Woody Allen movie. Yeah, Woody Allen movies are super boring. But people think they're good. That. So I don't think okay. most of those are good. So that's so, a, that's so maybe you would define your I would I then. I would I would have a bit of a diff, different viewpoint on that because boredom is a sliding scale between sure. for every individual. Um so to say you're simply bored off of one thing and make that and that makes it not a good movie in your opinion. I would disagree with that because the consensus of audience that generally watch it aren't bored and they'll think it's a good movie, right? So your your whole thing is consensus. So like No, not consensus, <laughs> but like cuz like I would like here's some the opinion, thing, right? Opinions are like it, buttholes as they say. No, Everyone's for got sure, one but most of them stink. That's fair, but what I what I'm trying to say here is the definition of what it makes a good movie it, it good and entertaining like entertaining can also there can be bad entertaining and there can be good entertaining right that's the way it's entertaining you know there's there's those there's those bad entertaining movies that you're like this is a terrible movie i know it's a terrible B movie movies. but not all B, there's even some a movies that are bad movies but people still watch them because they're guilty pleasures in some way or another but then like, what makes it an a movie the money? I mean, the money, the potential of it being released in theaters, you know. Like Waterworld. Um, People hate that movie. I love that Exactly. Movie. Exactly. <laughs> I love that movie, too. I enjoyed Waterworld. But People well, hate, people that, hate movie. that movie. It's just that it didn't make any money. That's a different thing. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, a, like there's a million that's... ways you can parse this there's a million ways yes there is a million ways you could d differentiate a movie but on like this sliding scale right now is like they're not even a slight entertainment scale. I'm trying entertainment and, and good is like, that not the is not movies a form of entertainment so it's not entertainment. yes movies are a form of entertainment but again goal. you can do other things you can be artistic you can try to there's good and bad entertainment that's what i'm trying to say but if it's entertaining right. it can't be bad is what i'm saying no no, because entertainment is an act. It's not, it's not, like, an entertaining is an act of people entertaining people, right? So, like, you entertainment, there's good and bad entertainment. Yes, there's good and bad entertainment, right? So, a movie can have good, can be good or bad. It can be entertaining, but it can still be good and or bad. For you, it sounds like The Tingler is an entertaining movie, Yes. And because it's entertaining, you like to skew it as good. Yes. Right? I personally And I would rewatch it. I wouldn't. I would not rewatch this movie. There's so many elements to this movie that was just irritating and I did not like it. And within thirteen minutes I really wanted to turn it off, but I finished it because I wanted to say I could finish it. And there wasn't really an act of redemption in that movie that I was like, Okay, that's fine. There was many elements to it that led towards it being a bad film there are moments that are entertaining within it 
but those moments of entertainment do not make it a whole a good movie for me. I think it's a bad film. I don't think it holds up. Okay, well, that's that's uh, I have a couple other things we're going to tackle this. Um, thought storytelling, there's two other categories I want us to just quickly address with this one. Characters and actors. Were there any characters or actors that you particularly liked, Murphy? Well, I kind of covered that earlier. The wife, yeah, we, she was probably the best actor. Okay. For me, it was her, Vincent Price, and, well, both wives. His Ollie wife was and... an asshole. I just want to say Ollie this. was an Ollie, asshole. Ollie was such an asshole in this Well, film. and they hide that. See, this is why this movie's kind of clever, man. It hits you with things. See, here's another thing they I don't, don't like with modern movies is they're it, wildly though. predictable, I find. But again, that's not their fault. Things have been done before. They're treading ground that has been tread before. But Henry this... Henry the boss I, bad entertaining. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but it's like... But by being entertaining, it's then good, I would say. But... So, but yeah, no, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie but you don't just... find out. You think they're just this normal kind of couple, but then like the movie's almost over. He's just like, yeah, like I killed her, and you know she would have killed me if she had the chance. She tried a bunch of times, you know. Like you just find out that they're like this horribly like warring couple that they didn't even make that apparent. Was, I, I mean, know, I um, I I don't remember the part where he mentions that she tried to kill him. All I remember is watching this guy and being like, yeah, like when he's confessing dude... to. Vincent Price, he's like, she, she would have killed me if she could, you know. She tried yeah, no, a few that times. Was, that was yeah. just like limp-wristed, like, excusing mental <laughs> oh, excusing for his own like, murder. And the fact that, like, he was such a he was so, such a shit Ollie murder. was an asshole. Yeah. He was such an asshole. He was such a fucking asshole. Fuck Ollie. He, oh, what a terrible character. But, I, yeah. but, but good terrible because we're talking about him. Bad terrible is just you don't notice him there at all. You know what I mean? He like, no, that's another not, thing no, about no. old movies is like the characters are all very unique in memory. No, but like there, there's like you couldn't are... you couldn't list three characters you found. I wouldn't call him good terrible. <laughs> I would just call him terrible terrible. Like He's he was memorable person. in the in the the portrait that was that movie. Yeah, but like yes. as a character, I'll ultimately forget him after this moment. Oh, me too. Forget who he. But was, I mean, in that you know? movie. Like there, there. I think there are other versions of that character that were, you know, played better. Um, not that I can think of any off by hand, but like generally his type of character, there, there have been better versions of or played better have. Rich so the, I was gonna adding to the hold up a theme. Is there a performance you would hold up? You already said it's the wife, and you're impressed um, by the song. Yeah, the sign language was pretty, like, spot on, and, uh, yeah, the wife just, like, gaslighting Vincent Price, um, I was, I was pretty much into some of that, I thought she was, she was holding her, like, disdain for him so well, and I, again, oh, I did, was. like, and his, and I his did, like, her. his, like, yeah, like, their like, little back and forth, so tete on tete, were, were probably the best scenes in the movie, but they were, like, few and far yeah. between. Um, I, I don't disagree with those being the best scenes. Um, for me, yeah, it was the deaf lady. And Vincent Price is always Vincent Price. Like he, he's always amazing. But she was really good. Her facial expressions were really good. She did a lot with not being able to speak. Especially as yeah, an actress that can speak. Well, I mean, again, that, that sort of leads to the whole, like, overacting of that era. Like, you know, they just felt like they had to, like, say and do things with 
so much gravitas behind it and i think because of that too it also from the silent era too right like these the talkies were a new thing you know yeah i mean i don't don't know I, i think because a lot of that cadence is so aged now it it becomes unless See, it's, I, unless it's being like a almost like a spoof or it's done extremely well it's almost uh cringe to watch like it's just like ugh. Well, like, see, I don't do it this as much with, like, 70s, 80s movies, but for things that are in black and white, generally, I try to put myself in that time, and I find it does make it more enjoyable. Because, um, you know, some things don't hold up, like, especially, like, you know, the misogyny and things like that. Hefe the Boss asked the real question Ooh. here. Hefe the Boss. Is that you, Neil? He is a cat named Hefe. <laughs> The real question is, will there ever be a movie called The Tingler again on a big screen? I honestly don't think so, unless that big screen is a Skinamax theater. Merrick says he's a Costner fan himself. Yeah, man, Waterworld. Exactly. Oh, it's Cousin Jeff. Oh, hey, Jeff. From fucking uh, Night Shift Podcast. Good guys over there. Jeff is the boss. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, all right. Let's. Well, there's one. Let's one more quick category. What did you think of this, Murphy? You'll have lots to say about this. I think maybe. Um, the setting aesthetic. Of this movie. I mean. Uh, I mean, you mentioned again, the limit. It, you found the sets limited, but I don't necessarily find that a negative. No, I mean they were definitely like limited build sets, and they were more like prop pieces for sure. But like the they were they weren't something I was entirely um, paying attention to. I felt like his home was the more elaborate set. Uh, yeah, rather than his workshop, the, even. Yeah, his 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 lab was very like cornered studio. Let's just throw some things around, and it'll look like a science lab. I'm of two minds of his lab. Like, it's not super beautiful and elaborate, like, say, a classic Dr. Frankenstein's lab where there's test tubes and... But I think that was the point because he's supposed to just be a normal guy, a normal doctor scientist at the start of this until he gets this kind of theory. So he's like, so he just had a normal, sterile kind of lab. It wasn't as beautiful to look at or anything, but it made sense for the movie. It felt like a family doctor's lab or something. Yeah. Like, it's like... And, and that yep. kind of, like, confused me on, like, what level of doctor was he? Was he just a scientist that was testing out why people get afraid and discovered that there's an alien symbiote growing up people's spine when they get afraid? Or was he, like, a family doctor and discovered there's yes. something that's causing people fear and then he just gets obsessed with that? That one. Okay, so he's just a family. Because he's clearly he has his bag. He does host calls and things. He's a doctor. Yeah. They're doctors back in yeah. those days. They had their bag that they took yeah. to the house. You know, you know he, he that that one. Okay. Um, yeah. Because you mean, know he had heard what... cases of people dying of fear, and that's what this movie's really exploring. Is just like how can people die of fear? It makes no sense. So the tingler was the answer to that. Like I think it answers some simple basic questions that people would have had mean... in those days. I mean, if the and man in a clever was a doctor, way. if the man was a good doctor, he would have discovered that their hearts are stopping, and that's why they're dying. 
But yeah, well, he was a shitty doctor, Murphy. He was a shitty. He doctor, was a shitty doctor, but a good he scientist. He was a shitty doctor. Yeah, in a shitty good movie. doctors don't and, shoot and people. And I'm staking <laughs> right now. I'm 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 wrapping this up because we got to get right. moving. Yeah, we got to. This get movie moving. doesn't hold up. This movie does okay. not hold up. Murphy says it I, doesn't hold up. Oh, my answer is going to be a little nuanced. Yes, it does. But you have to put yourself in that time a little bit. I mean, I just a little to. bit. Like, I tried to imagine myself being in the theater where they're doing these gags and things. And it did add a little bit to the experience. Because as a straight up movie, it's not the strongest, I admit. It's not the best Vincent Price. It's probably not even like a. It's definitely not a top five Vincent Price. Maybe not even a top ten. But I. If you're I'm gonna really, say it. I'm really, gonna say it holds up. If you're really, really bored and you're but really barely. into Vincent Price and yeah. you're really into this director's type of film work, yeah. then maybe spend ninety minutes of your time and experience yeah. the Tingler. But as yep, somebody yep. who has better things to do. I kind of wish I didn't watch this movie, and I highly recommend you don't watch it either. Oh, wow. No, I disagree because, for example, having seen The Tingler has, had to make matinee better experience for you. It, like, you understand what a lot of that movie's talking about. Yes, I will, I will attribute to the fact that The Tingler did set up the matinee, which made it a much better viewing experience in the hole so let's move on to our second film okay act two perfect time act two fire it up how could such a thing happen dr cabal the ant's saliva must have gotten into bill's bloodstream and gone straight to his brain just as the radiation which is measured in units called renkins was released and that's how he became a mant For the kids of Key West, Florida, there was nothing scarier than a monster matinee. Lawrence Wolsey, the master of movie horror, exterminates you with Matt. The story of Matt is based on scientific fact, on theories that have appeared in national magazines. But in the fall of 1962, a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on the island of Cuba. They got the biggest scare of all. They're gonna bomb us? The country is on red alert. And what a perfect time to open a new horror movie. That'd be the best show to take a girl to. The whole world's gonna blow up anyway, so we should just do whatever we want. You know, last guy she went out was in reform school. He did teach me a lot. What about? About my body. Think of the bomb we're about to fall, she'd do it with me. <laughs> Wait till you see the feelers on this thing. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. <laughs> Some of it's stage lighting, some of it's magic show stuff, but the big studios, none of them have anything like it. Do never ever turn one above six. This is it! From Joe Dante, director of Gremlins. You see what he's putting back? The showmanship. The bombs are falling! You think this is some kind of picnic for me? I'm still concerned about that bomb thing. Little question of taste? No, no, but your younger patrons. You could have some seat wetness. John Goodman. I love this business. Matinee. Man, I've seen this twice. Yeah. So, I loved this movie as a kid. Still do. This is a great movie. It's Joe Dante is all hell. If you like Gremlins, I don't know how you don't like this movie. 
and Gremlins is one of the best movies ever. And you know what? This movie's fantastic. I agree. I, I actually enjoyed the fuck out of this film. It was uh, a lot better than to the other. And I was like, yeah. Had so you seen it before? This. No, I, I. Well, you're welcome. I, this movie's amazing. To be fair, I haven't watched this movie from beginning to end previously. I do kind of remember it being a thing briefly. Like, I remember some advertising or a commercial for it here or there. Like, I, I remember the poster specifically. Um, this one. But yeah, I. Yes, I. I that's the one, yeah. I specifically remember the poster, but I never actually, I actually probably more specifically, I remember the VHS case. Um, but Same. I never actually <laughs> never watched it. Same image. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I never actually watched it until now. And uh, yeah, it's fucking, uh, it was pretty good. It was, this was a, a good entertaining movie from beginning to end and uh, was just the right amount of, of, of cheese like it was it was really good i enjoyed this one yeah like what's nothing to go wrong there john goodman kills it he's so good in this film he always kills it but like this is like joe dante john goodman this is gold yeah it's like this is john goodman in his prime too oh yeah prime john goodman like so good fresh off of the set of roseanne yeah yeah for (laughs) real even probably just did the flintstones a week prior like um he was that he wasn't was, prime john goodman <laughs> well i mean you know that's one of his more i mean he did his roles. best but yeah. yeah but like there there were moments i'm watching this and i was like ah it's fred you know <laughs> like oh, just god. like the way he like did something there there i was like ah it's fred um yeah. but yeah no i i enjoyed his his performance in the movie i'm glad he didn't turn out to be a total shyster and he was like He's just he just wanted to be a showman and bring bring the showmanship back to the theater. And, and that's what William Castle was doing in the in the Tingler, because that's what who John Goodman is playing. They call him Frank Woolsey, I think. Something Woolsey. Uh um, yeah, they called him John Goodman's character was Lawrence Woolsey. Lawrence Woolsey, right. Yeah. And he's he's but he's playing William Castle. Like that scene we saw earlier of William Castle, like there's John Goodman yeah. doing it during his movie Mant, you know. But he and does I, it to I, a better degree. Like his his well, because he's John Goodman, man. He's he, yeah. William Castle's not John Goodman. I mean, no, for sure. But like they've been I better off having just... Vincent Price do that because he's got more personality. But let me just to uh, be fair, if they had Vincent Price introduce, hello, if they... I'm Lawrence Woolsey. The feeling at this atomic test site is an anxious one, but then you're about to see for yourselves what I mean. My terrifying new process, Atomovision, puts you, the audience, at ground zero. Not a safe place to be. But today, there is no safe place to be. Now, his Atomovision is a D box. It's one hundred percent a D box. It vibrates yes. and it moves. So yes, his freaking Joe Dante invented D box in nineteen ninety three. Yeah, that it. would be a fair statement. Yeah, mute your phone. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> oh wait, yes what? I do. I'm told. How, how, has it not become clear to you? I'm not a tech guy. I know that. I have to like guide your hand. Yes. Yes. Him um, and cousin Dave hold my hand constantly whenever I'm on a computer. 
And it just has to be that way. As if Murphy um, himself said, I unplugged in 2002, but probably it was like 1998. Yeah. But, yeah, so. So, hold on. Let's get into the plot of this one. Let's get into the yeah. plot of this one. So, the plot of this one is uh, the William Castle character, Lawrence Woolsey, is he's come to this small town and he's trying to drum. It's like, well, let me just go off on a tangent here for a second. One thing that these three movies also have in common, other than just cinema, is they all take place or like somehow highlight, less so with the Tingler, like a specific and important moment in time. For Tingler, it's just, it was, it was the transitionary time in cinema where people were. St- weren't going anymore because like the horrors of war was worse than scary movies. And so they had to, he was trying to find a way to bring people back in with these gimmicks. And uh, with this movie, obviously it's uh, the, the, the Cuban missile crisis that's going on during this movie. Like it's taking place during that week of the Cuban missile crisis. And in the majestic, it's, um, um, you know, what is it? Commies. Yeah, the Maca- McCarthyism is is what yeah. I'm really going at there. Yeah. Um, so that's also a nice little connection. But so as far as this goes, he's there. He's in the small town. He's trying to drum up business. Like he's super smart. He hires Dick Miller. Gotta love Dick Miller. Joe Dante loves himself some Dick Miller too. I I love the fact that Robert Picardo was in this movie too. I didn't. Me too. That I was like, he was great. Picardo, and he wasn't just in it like a small part. Like he had a pretty substantial co-star at the end. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know what? He's a super coward. Yeah, he's he's so good. He's you know, he's a he's a straight like straight collared like this is my movie business. Let's do this thing. Oh God, things are going to explode. Shelter in the basement. Yeah, a bomb shelter that was poorly made. Yeah, because he bought it and he totally got ripped off. That's a funny gag later. This movie is hilarious, dude. The line where he's just like, "I'm in the wrong business." <laughs> like, yeah, he's in the wrong. A that lot was a of good lines. God, that's a good line. Because he's just line. like, "This guy just sold you like a two thousand dollar piece of shit. I could be selling two thousand dollar pieces of shit to everybody. What am I doing working so hard?" Because he works hard, and you could he tell does. William Castle did too. Like, he's doing everything. He's writing these movies. He's filming these movies. He's promoting these movies. He's hooking up the buzzers behind all the seats he does it all himself essentially and you know it's got this movie has oh it's so the plot let me get back to the plot so this movie's called mant well hold on i have a funny clip mant i just the just one, one quick gotten into bill's bloodstream you know and gone straight to clips. his brain just as the radiation which is measured in units called renkins was released and that's how he became a mant Mant. Are, are Renkins a thing? I thought they were called Rads. But uh, one more. One Rads, more. yeah. They should, still they should be called Rads. Of course he is. It's what's inside a person that counts. Yeah, Doc? Well, you know what's inside me? Formic acid. <laughs> when you have formic acid instead of blood, you feel like a volcano or a bomb. You want to pick something up that's twice your size and run up and down a hill with it all day long. <laughs> Anyway, Mant is hilarious. Really funny. Like, apparently, you can watch the whole Mant short film on YouTube, which I was tempted yeah. to do. Like, it's like 15 to... minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that movie. It's, 
is better than the tingler no the but it's trying to be filled. the tingler but like it's no and i i know and it does it in a better everything. way than the tingler does because it goes thing. full spoof it goes all in on the yeah spoof. and and that's what makes it better if the tingler just went all in on the spoof I think it would have played off as a better film. I think, but it's then it wouldn't have worked with what it was trying to do, as far as elicit screams and fear from the audience and be this kind of Which fearful I, experience. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, um, and, he could he could have used a better movie to do that, but it worked with like I thought it was very clever with the tingle and the the fear and the screaming. It all worked for what he was trying to do. And same with the mant. In mant, he just tries to fool people into thinking they're. A bomb dropped, which is crazy because it's during the week of the Cuban Missile Crisis and everyone in that town thought they were about to get nuked anyway. And he makes the screen like burn away. Fucking and explode. All freaking out. Like, that, like that's it's such a more insane version of what William Castle was doing with the Tingler. The it's way. Like, almost to the point the where way, it's mean. <laughs> the that way they executed. Okay. Like, Not what? to jump ahead, but the way they executed that final scene fucking oh, chef's kiss i was like man. oh man beautiful. whoa they just like he just blew this shit up and then they like did the reveal it's like oh no he's just turning the projectors off i was like yeah oh, kudos yeah. sir that's fucking genius shit right oh, there yeah. and you know he hires and so like so he hires dick miller and this other guy to pretend to be super against his movie even though they they work for him so that he did can, they like, okay stand so like, yeah I, they work for him were, did they? Because, like, it, yeah. I was a little confused by that. Like, I assumed, okay, this is the snake oil salesman. They're setting them up to be the whole yeah. shabacle. He even but says it. He even I... tells He's like, all right, he works for me. I admit it. Okay. So then I guess yeah. even when I was paying attention, watching, I, I kind of like that moment slip by me. Sometimes that happens when I watch films, but like. But yeah, he's just I, trying I, to get, I, like, I... people riled up in the town. So it's yeah. smart. Yeah, they don't was, like those was, Dick was, Miller he... characters. Like, the. They're like, well, we can see him any movie we want, and so they go see it. Like, yeah, yeah, it was genius. it was like that classic like drumming up PR without actually paying for marketing. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's and well, he gave it a lot of free uh, tickets. He's like, oh, don't listen to these guys. Come see the show for free. But then, like, all yeah. the people are leaving. They're like, I'm gonna see it a second time. So he like totally nailed it. And then so like his. And he hires a guy to put an ant costume on. And I have some pics of that and stuff. And he's like, the, he's like the. So there's this whole like kid subplot where there's these kid characters, and they're all really good too, um, including uh, Canadian legend. Uh, uh, well, I'll talk about her later. But there she is. There, Lisa Jacob. She retired from acting. Yes, she's actually amazing. Okay, so I gotta pull up she's, my notes because I was making notes about this. She's in Mrs. Doubtfire. So she was in a yes, lot of movies as a kid, Doubtfire. and she's pretty much the best actress in everything she's in back in those days. Like, even in this, yeah, like, when they're dragging her out of the school hallway and she's just like, they're lying to you all! Like, her character is like a modern person back in those times where she's, like, super aware of all the bullshit. Yes, like, okay, so this this was my favorite line. I don't know if you got this audio clip, but it's I when don't. they send all the kids into the fucking hallway, right? Yeah. And they're putting their heads behind her house, yeah. and she's like... They're like, hold your like, pants behind don't your tell head. They yeah, she's she's freaking out and they're pulling away. She's like, they don't tell you the truth. They they tell you to put your hands behind your neck and and keep building bombs. Yeah, and exactly. Like, it's not gonna save you because you'll be fucking, fucking dead. Like, yeah, it's such a good fucking line. Oh yeah, you're man. gonna be dead. You're gonna be vomiting out your guts because of the but radiation. Then, like, but then you eventually find out why she's that way. She's got like these right hippie parents that she calls by their first names and stuff. She's like basically Topanga. 
<laughs> for, for boy yeah, she was. She was basically Tobago. And her parents rocked, man. I liked her parents a lot. Yeah, they were like, fine. Okay, they were the two that got all up in Dick Miller's face. They're like, oh, well, we'll see any movie we want. Like, yeah, how can it be yeah. worse to sending kids off to war and like that sort of stuff? But there's like, there's the kid that he hires to wear the ant costume, who's not these two characters, but there's these other two kid characters. Uh, so um, there's the main the main kid character and his younger brother, and then yeah. his uh, his sort of friend that was yeah. like follow me trying to I'll date the hot the girl girls. in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah date all the hot and, girls. I when I watched they, it, I was like, blue shirt is a rapist waiting to happen. Has oh, control yeah. issues. <laughs> so, well, he, they even say that he's like he just got out of juvie. This guy in the ant costume here. And, and this is hilarious. Like he before he puts the ant uh, helmet on. No, no, I'm not talking Woolsey about the juvie guy. I'm. Oh. No, no, I'm I'm talking about uh, the kid that the juvie guy bullies because the kid oh. wants to uh, date the the popular girl. Mm. The way he talked, I was just like, oh, that kid's a rapist waiting to happen. And then he's all like, oh, I, I, I'll, I'll tell women what to do. Uh, I tell, yeah, that kid is getting started. He's like, I know, he, I forget the line, but he, he basically out. implies that he's he's the controlling force when it comes to de- to girls. And then he talks to the girl he likes, and he becomes a complete simp, and just like, uh huh, uh huh. And I'm like, okay, so this kid has control issues. When I was yeah, watching yeah. this, but um, so yeah, so he's hitting on this girl. She used to date the juvie guy. Um, oh, Wolsey sorry, hires the one juvie more thing. guy to yeah. Uh, so like we're we're a bit farther in the plot than I, I wanted to talk about. There was there was a moment um, when uh, the blue shirt kid I forget his name uh, he 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 fe- sees his dream girl and she's on mm-hmm. the ladder and she yeah. just like does the like the slow pretty like atypical the slow the, the, the slow girl pretty turn and it I don't know what it was but it was poorly executed. There's so yeah. many like the the light, there's so much extra lighting. Her hair was blowing when it probably shouldn't. There's so many, it was just so bad. It was such a. Well, it was like, it was a joke. It's like when like Garth's dream woman turns around in Wayne's world and all of a sudden they're inside, but there's wind everywhere. And she's like, yeah. Yeah. But before Wayne. It was, it was, it was, it was supposed to be that, but it wasn't like glamorous in any way. It was just very like soft. It was, I don't know. There was, it was. They could have done better. So um, I love this line though, where like, because the juvie kid, he's just like, well, he's like, hey, you know, you're not a bad looking co- kid. Uh, did you ever uh, do any acting? He's just like, how would you do that? And Willsey's just like, never mind. <laughs> the juvie kid's a freaking idiot. But anyway, that? it's a bit of a, a surprising turn, really, because he goes full villain basically the juvie kid and he ends up like taking Woolsey's actress girlfriend who like acts in all those movies Kathy Moriarty by the way I love her she Kills was in a ton it. of stuff back in the day and she has that like Kills great smoky raspy it. voice I was yes. so I have as a kid I didn't know how I felt about her like I had a crush on her but she was so older and womanly that I didn't think I understood it at the time. So she always gave me weird feelings. But I always liked <laughs> Kathy Moriarty. She's great. No, All she, the, she there's so many good side her. characters in this. So basically, yes, the, exactly. the, the, we'll get to them in a second. Just to follow to finish up the plot. So Woolsey's Atomovision malfunctions. And it basically, this old theater is old and like starts rocking it. 
bad. So at the point where he's supposed to scare everybody with all the, the fake nuke stuff, he's actually breaking down the theater by accident at the same time. So the guy who, Robert Ricardo, who owns the theater, uh, runs to his bomb shelter, but um, these two kids, because Lisa Jacob and her he, boyfriend, he runs to his bomb shelter because he's listening to the radio broadcast of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and his radio gets dropped in a fish tank dies. because of the rumbling, dies, yeah. and he thinks, "Shit, this is it!" And he has no the radios are out. He just proceeds to panic. Yeah, the radios <laughs> yeah. are out. Or is this it? He grabs the fishbowl, like runs to his bomb shelter, Doesn't and he's like, "Okay, do we get everything?" Else. He's just like, "Done, out of here." <laughs> and then his, his his final thought is, "Oh no, I forgot the fish food," and he fucking leaves the bomb shelter <laughs> to go get fish food. Yeah, and then uh, gets locked out, and the kids get locked in. Um, and and that's when Woolsey comes down, and he's just like, "Well, it's crowbar." He's just like, "Picard's like, no, that's they promised me it was completely unopenable." unopenable we're screwed like, those kids are gonna die there's nothing we can do about it because he's just like oh by the way and this would have killed him which is what's hilarious he's just like oh by the air the area i forgot to turn on the air intake so if he'd have gone in there he was gonna suffocate himself to death like this movie so is freaking hilarious man. Oh yeah no God, like it, so it, many. it there's so many like good little hilarious moments that keep like interconnecting. Like this so is when they're watching funny. the movie and like the ant guy starts to attack people for real, and Woolsey has to go down and like try to fight him, and the, and he like punches Woolsey. God, Jesus, he's choking the kid. What the hell? Yeah, I think he drops Woolsey. Um, but yeah, so that's basically the plot of the movie, and then you know that everyone comes out and it's like they're all like that was the best movie experience I've ever had. Like you know, but. That's paying a bit of homage to the what William Castle used to do and stuff. He was trying to give people an experience, and they got it. And uh, but that being said, matinee is way better. So let's just take a, ourselves to the setting aesthetic. We'll go there next. It's in Florida. I feel it. I feel like we've jumped things, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Oh, uh, so setting aesthetic. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was great. Like, it was, like, visually, it was shot incredibly well. Um, I love the fact that all of the sets were practical. And if you, yeah. I don't know if you really, like, noticed, but all of the sets were built. Like, yeah. built uh, on lots. Now, that it goes into my theory of why I love old movies more, too. I'm all about the practical. There's some scenes in the Majestic that bother me because they aren't practical. And we'll get to that. Mm, but uh, I know which one you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I'm sure oh, you do. Oh, it was so bad. Like, that's the greenest green screen I've ever seen. Mm. But, uh, but uh, I just missed those. And they didn't have to. Like, there were there were certain choices. And, like, they do that now with movies all the time. Just, it's easier to do CGI than go to actual locations and things like that. Well, and, it's easier uh, to The do reliance CGI on CGI also a home. plays against me. You know, in, in the I mean, I mean, like if you okay, like greatest example of interior decoration is Home Alone. The entire Amazing. house Amazing. of Home Alone Perfect is movie, basically is an interior. All the interiors are nothing mm -hmm. but sets. Mm -hmm. um, the basement was a set that they built in a pool, oh, right, wow. so that they could flood it. Oh right! So they had all the water so and shit. So they built the set so within a pool. Right? And Tom Savini so just used real sheep guts. 
<laughs> yeah, right? And they so stink. Like, so, so, like, all those interiors are practical as fuck that they built from scratch. That takes so much money to do. Yeah. The cost of lumber is through the roof these days, but, so you're just but, not going to see But you know what? CGI costs a shit ton, too. Like, you see movies and, like, half their budget's the CGI, and it doesn't look like that should have been half their budget. Well, I mean... Like, look at Transformers. Like realistically, all half their like budget this. is marketing. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the pre-marketing CGI. budget. Yeah, the, the yeah. half of the pre-marketing budget. Yeah. I, I, I would even argue that half their pre-marketing budget doesn't even go to the CGI. I would a say more like a third. Maybe. Well, maybe a third, but it's too much. It doesn't look <laughs> like good. The, the ones... Good. Okay, like, to give you an idea of a really good film that puts all their money in their CGI, uh, Dune. The latest Dune movie. I, I don't know if that. you've watched it. Okay, no. we're gonna cover that one okay. day. We're gonna That's go fine. through like a like I personally haven't seen the old Dune, so I like, have. Okay, so then Dune. we're gonna have a really interesting podcast that day because I okay. saw the new Dune and I thought it was. And awful. I saw the the is it late nineties early two thousands Dune miniseries that used to be on the Space Channel. So I've seen two versions of Dune that aren't the new Dune. Okay, so I haven't even watched that, and I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss behind the scenes how we'll tackle that episode one day. But um, that new Dune is an excellent example of doing CGI right, because at no point you're watching that film does it entirely feel like CGI. Um, okay, good. There are obviously visuals that are like pretty out there, and yes, they needed to be done with CGI, but they're done with to such a degree that you just kind of believe what you're seeing. So, this movie um, just feels like they just found a old theater location and just did it all in there. I bet you anything, the theater was a built set. I mean, it had to be. They destroyed the second floor. Right, they're not just gonna rent out a theater and destroy someone's second floor. So that I I I would bet dollars to donuts that that movie theater was a built set. Well, it's a good one. Yeah, it's it, a really probably good since one. they tore it all apart. <laughs> Does make sense? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like the the, the end of the the, yeah. the third act, the fucking second floor is collapsing, and you got the kid jumping for his life. Oh right. no, the baby! Oh, you can hear that. Hold on. <laughs> Talk to the people. Okay. So dad's going to do what his dad's going to do. So the matinee, um, it's really good because John Goodman basically okay. comes wheeling in. <laughs> okay, cool. I thought you were going to be a little longer than that. No, I wasn't. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not tending the baby. I just turned down the monitor. <laughs> There's another parent <laughs> to tend the baby right now. All right. Just so you know, um, I'm not abandoning my baby to podcast. Um <laughs> She just hasn't been sleeping well lately. It's been rough. Ever since she caught COVID. She doesn't have it anymore, but ever since then, she's just not sleeping well. Sleep patterns all messed up. I get it, kid. I've been there. Um, Yeah, so the the practical uh, effects of this this show, is uh, this movie was amazing. The the aesthetics were amazing. The lighting in practically every scene was spot on. Um, The colors were bright. The characters were bright. And on that more aspect the characters and the actors let's get into those please um, yeah characters and actors there's so many good ones robert picardo so john goodman dick miller lisa jacob kathy moriarty they're all amazing the kid actors were all good i mean not just lisa jacob the other ones were pretty good as well 
Um, got Jesse White in there as Mr. Spectre, the producer. We got, uh, yeah, Simon Fenton played Gene Loomis. Simon Fenton's character was probably the weakest in this. Like, he's Who not is he? the greatest kid. He's the he's the main kid actor. Like, he's not oh, the yeah, greatest he, actor. Yeah, he's, he's just well, enough to string the story along. The right? problem like was every character around him was far better than he was. That was the problem. He had to share most of his scenes with John Goodman or Lisa Jacob, and he wasn't on either of their level. No, like no, by so, any means. So here, here's a, this. Uh, let's we'll come back to the overall thing. But which performance would you hold up above all the others in this movie? Ah, uh, I would have to give it to John Goodman. I mean, he's the king of the show hands down he really gives you all the feelings throughout the film um he's great he really he's so freaking witty in this yeah thing. it's 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 gonna be john goodman accented with kath uh kathy moriarty oh kathy moriarty yeah yeah like kathy moriarty being the She's like great. the straight man to john goodman's like dreamerism the like yeah, like good. motherfucker, I'm the one with all the money. You're over here swindling people. Like that kind of dichotomy between between them, it was it was great. It was it was fun to watch. I liked every moment those two had to shared a screen shared screen together, and um, yeah, Robert Picardo he really killed it as like the the like the house manager, who, yeah. like he 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 like, owner, anything that I guy believe. does. Theater owner, yeah. Anything Robert Ricardo does, he always yeah. gives it his all, and it's just like hey, good entertainment right there. Absolutely. Um, so those are definitely my top three, and okay. then I'm, I'm gonna hold uh, up Lisa Jacob, and one thing because she's amazing in this. Yeah, she doesn't get as much time yes. as the others. But what I was, I would, she was my. If fourth. anyone's due for a comeback in acting, she's a writer now. Apparently, lives in your your town there in Toronto, I think. But oh, uh, really. If anyone wanted to make a cut, she's a Canadian actress. Yeah, she was in a lot of these American movies, but she's a Canadian actress. I, um, I wouldn't hate to see Lisa Jacob back on. Come back. I'm, I'm sure she has a reason love not to be on. I'm sure like, she does. Yeah. I mean, she, a lot of people were rubbed the wrong way as child actors, you know? Yeah. yeah. She killed it as Sandra. She, her, her playing as Sandra was really good. She yeah. made every line she said believable. You could tell that she was that Topanga-like kid that grew up mm -hmm. with, you know... The, the very liberal parents, you know? Yeah. Very, um, like, politically active parents and that sort of stuff. Yeah, they, yeah the so the performances were amazing. Like related to. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to say about this movie? We've been gushing about it. We could probably go on forever because there's so much fun. Yeah, stuff. I mean, I, 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 I don't think there's much to say. I mean, I realistically, the film, uh, it had a lot of heart. It had a lot of color. It set up... Um, a very entertaining premise and the and the showmanship of what it means to go to the movies um there was there was also there was a speech by john goodman in this film we probably didn't have time to get the audio but it was basically him talking about uh people coming to the movie theater to be entertained to get away from their problems to not think about bombs and all that yeah. nonsense that's going on then he makes them think about that's, bombs <laughs> yeah i know and then he takes them to the movie to think about fucking ant filled bombs and shit like that to the point where he's like oh shit i need to end this movie and he blows up the screen with all of his projectors and all of his, his setup gimmickry 
to a really entertaining degree. Um, and it just had a really fun third act. Um, and it, and it was yeah. a solid, solid film. I would 100% say that this movie is rewatchable. And I can say that because I've seen it 12 up. times and I still love it. Um. <laughs> yeah, you, you clearly have like pure bias on it and it's it's well-suited bias. Like this movie to this day holds up, it's entertaining, it sets its, so its time frame up, the set pieces are gorgeous, everything about it practically is just wonderfully done. Um, it's a classic Joe Dante. You put it up there with Gremlins. It is. Yeah, like, 100%. Yep. Great All right. film. We, we agree. Up. See, we agree on stuff we agree. too. It happens. Right. It happens. Yeah. So there, that was, we both answered the question there. Of course, we both think that one holds up. So I guess that brings us to act three of our podcast. The Majestic. This was my choice for our podcast. So let's, uh, let's watch the trailer for The Majestic. You and me just drive up the coast till the sun comes up. Never come back. The monkey. The monkey. It's such a small what part the of the hell film. happened to you, son? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Once upon a time, a stranger came to town. You have no idea who you are or how you got here? Wink. Only to discover he might not be such a stranger. After all, I don't even know who I am. It's Luke! Just look at him. Look at him! Look at him! Seeing you walk down the street was like seeing one of my own boys alive again. This town gave 62 of its young men to the war, more than our share. This boy over here, Congress awarded him the Medal of Honor for courage, saving the lives of eight men without thought to himself. His name was Luke. He was my son. That's who you are. The best thing you can do is gently reintroduce the person to things that were once familiar. Do you remember me? No, but I'll sure try. <laughs> we were in love, weren't we? Yeah. In a place like this, the magic is all around you. The trick is to see it. Now that you're back, we're gonna reopen the Majestic. I can't help wondering, where's Luke been all this time? I mean, nine and a half years. Your father said I would start to remember things. Well, what do you remember? What happens if his memory does come back? Which life would he choose? This town's had enough heartbreak. Who are you, really? Just a guy trying to figure things out. From the director <laughs> of the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile comes the story of a man brought back to life and the town he brought back with him. You don't know what you meant to this town suddenly being alive. Jim Carrey. Majestic. Okay, the majestic. Oh. Okay, so all right, that was a misclick on my part. Ignore that. D directed uh, by Frank so, Darabont. Frank Darabont. All right, so I guess this is where I take the wheel. Uh, I start talking. Okay, about majestic. I, one thing. Just give me one one comment here. So this movie has. I'm so mixed on this movie. Uh, 
so it has a lot of the things I like about a great 90s movie, like Matinee, for example. But it also has a lot of the things I don't like about 2000s movies. Because it is, it, but it's like, it's 2003, so it's kind of in that transitionary phase. 2001. And, oh, was it? Okay, even more so. Yeah. Um, so, okay, hold, hold that I'm thought. Super hold mixed thought. on what? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hold that thought. Okay, so The Majestic was a 2001 Frank Darabont film. It was basically his big opus after The Green Mile. This was, he was high, he was high praise as a director around this time. Because so he had done Shawshank of, and then The Green Mile. He done, like, yeah, and bang. those were like fucking Grand Slam movies, like serious heartstring movies. So there was a lot of weight on his shoulders for this new film, or for his latest film, which would, at the time in 2001, which is The Majestic. In 1951, a blacklisted Hollywood writer, uh, his name at the time was Peter Appleton. Uh, mm -hmm. go, he, he is a writer for Hollywood. He, the, it start, the film starts guy. off... Yeah, he's he's a yeah, he's a bit of a B movie guy. So Sand Pirates of the I, <laughs> Sand Pirates of the Sahara. Sand yeah, Pirates right. of the Sahara. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so the way, I, okay, there's something about this film the way I liked it. It starts off with him in a writing room, and there's people pitching ideas about a dog and a mine and all. And this it's stuff. super meta and, at that point. And it's super meta and all this stuff, and it cuts from that scene to him being at the uh, the Grand Chinese Theater in Los Angeles, which yeah. I've been to. Uh, to a degree, um, so th that that setup really pulled me into this movie because I was like, okay, cool, I can sort of get with this. And he played. I thought the meta Peter. stuff was trying to be a bit too clever. Like every time they were in that writer's room, they do it again later. It's he's it, they're just talking about the majestic. They're talking about that movie. Like oh okay maybe I didn't because I really wasn't yeah. paying attention too yeah. much to what they were go back and watch about. any of those writers room scenes they're just talking about the majestic through his well, movies it's, it's, so mm, it's like it's this movie is a bit too heavy handed for me everything that he's trying to do he's trying to do too hard okay okay found, hold your hold your yeah, let, finish, let me finish, finish the plot first yeah, yeah. so fifty one black uh, a blacklisted Hollywood writer named Peter Appleton he's having his 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 film well he wasn't blacklisted. Well, he wasn't blacklisted when he's having his film debut, The, the Sands of the Sahara Desert. It starts with a narration about him, like, oh, it feels great to have my name on a poster, I'll never get through this. He's got the perfect film writer lifestyle. He's dating the actress of his dreams in the first movie that he made. Just prior. like Woolsey. She's, yeah, just like Woolsey. Um, <laughs> They'll date their main who, actress. <laughs> like, his, his actress that he was dating, which I didn't catch her name, uh, Amanda yeah. Detmer, played Sandra Sinclair. Beautiful woman. Um watches this film and then he's, he's 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 in contract negotiations to get uh, a new deal and all that stuff and then it comes to light that he has been going to communist parties and he might no, went to be a one copy. communist party went to one communist party <laughs> because he wanted to chase some puss he was looking for a lady and uh, he decided to to get his dinky stinky be But by, that's McCarthy you know, era stuff, man. One commie party was enough. Yeah, it's, it just <laughs> took one. It just took one and you were you were labeled a commie and you were part of a witch hunt. So this man becomes a part of said witch hunt and he's watching his entire career as a film writer become blacklisted. Nobody wants to touch him. Yeah, they cancel his film. Want to, 
Yeah. They cancel his film. They cancel the contract negotiations. So he does. It's funny, but he described it. He's like, "Look at this movie. It's trash. It's all about the the plight of the downtrodden and stuff. It's pure commie it's, trash. Every it's, word it's, of it. It's pure trash. It's about <laughs> the the people in the miners. It's pure commie yeah. trash. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, who's that actor oh, again? Yeah. He played his role so well. He played he that did. role so well. Yeah, uh, he's in a lot of stuff. I'm not sure. Who Bob ba- Bob Balaban. He plays Elvin oh, Clyde. He plays that Weasley paper oh. nerdy guy. Anyway, so uh, Peter Appleton gets blacklisted. He does what any sane man does in a, in a situation like that. He goes to the bar and he gets himself lambasted drunk after clearing out his office and he brings his monkey with him. He's got his pet monkey. and Steals the monkey shots. from the bar, actually. Ste- I, well, no, the monkey came from his office. So he brought the monkey oh, from it? his office to the bar. Yeah, he brought the monkey from oh. his office to the bar and he's sharing some drinks with said monkey and his life breaks down. And he gives, I think he gave the bartender a hundred dollar tip just because the bartender was talking to him. Because yeah, he he's like, like, you took a risk even talking to me, thanks. Yeah. But as so it was a like, 50, you know, so I'm go... pretty sure it was like a five. Yeah, so he's like, let's <laughs> go a for a drive <laughs> up the coast. Let's have a, let's have a little spin. And he's go up to... hammered. This is like the hammered. one of the biggest drunk driving scenes you'll see in a movie. He was... Yeah, and he's going up the fucking Gold Coast of Los Angeles, California, which if you've ever played uh, San Andreas GTA Five, <laughs> is it Cliffy? Yeah, it's 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 a lot of cliffs and it's a long, white, windy road. So doing it drunk ain't no good. Uh, he eventually gets uh, a little drunk. A possum crosses the road. And he fucking hits a wall. The barrier, the barrier breaks. Pretty easy. Now this is a moment in the I, movie where I'm like, why I did I, I ca- get out of the car, my guy? I thought I caught a continuity error there. Well, he didn't get out of the car because he's drunk. You can just say that. That's but fair. I'm pretty sure at the point where they he hits that guardrail, the monkey's not in the car with him anymore. Because the whole time the monkey's sitting beside him in the car, but I think it's a continuity area and they forgot to put the monkey back in the car because I was looking hard and you can't see any monkey. Well, I mean... Continuity error. Fair, I, is it a continuity error or did the force of the crash knock the car, monkey out of the car? We'd have seen it. We'd have seen the monkey go flying. Maybe, 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 but we'll strike it down as a continuity here. Good eyes on you. Good eyes, eagle eyes. Anyway, I thought the monkey so was going to be a big thing, so I'm looking for the monkey. Like, because his, <laughs> not to jump ahead of you a little bit, but he ends up in the water, the car. So yeah, I thought so the monkey was going to float to the top and you'd see the monkey float, because that's what happens in movies. If there's a monkey, you're going to see the monkey again. And I thought it was just going to like float downstream <laughs> or something, but you never see it again because it wasn't in the car. What's, I forget the term. It's that smoking gun term. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Um, so he gets in the he get, hits the wall. He's about to adjust, and then it starts downpouring rain after a crack of lightning. He spins out, goes in the water, and like he hits the water head first. Like car oh, yeah. flops, hits the water. I was like, oh damn! Like that actually, like oh Cause, damn! Because he's in a convertible, so he like, which he's lucky because like okay. he could kind of fall directly into the water away from the car. Uh, Again, this this leads to the this was all practical sets. This was a practical car that crashed into the water, right? And then there was a scene to sell the whole like him in the river. They made the practical car pop up from the water and float yeah. behind him, right? Like that shit was Are we cool. sure that was a practical like, car? That was 100% a practical car okay. that they had fucking popping up. It would have looked good had it not him. been, so I believe it. Right? Like, it, there's some it bad CGI in the green screen and in this movie, so... 
exactly there's no way they pulled that scene off it looks super good so they like they had some sort of mechanics popping it out of the water and floating down and then he goes down and he fucking cracks his head off a stone wall and this is how our main character loses his memory and he wakes up the, on the, the amnesia trope of... i don't usually enjoy i gotta say it's kind no of i'm not a... it's too just because look he only remembers these things he doesn't remember these things because that's exactly what we need for this movie that never works for me and and i'm going to talk about that a bit more so okay so he wakes up on the beaches of lawson lawson lost son lost lawson lost son which is a is a strong theme because this movie is, is the he's only called that later a, he's called that yeah later. this movie yeah, this it's, it's he's Lawson's favorite lost son. Yeah, no, this this movie is a slice of Americana apple pie. Oh, like, it is. It's from beginning to end. Too much, too much for me. Too much. It's so fucking overbaked and oversweetened Americana that it starts yeah. to ruin the movie. This is the yeah. tipping point in the movie. Okay, uh, because can it, I, I? I just have a theory about this whole thing. You're familiar with what Frank Darabont was going. The reason this is all so buttery and uh, just lathered on with the Americana and the overdone. It's like even the music, like everything is trying to draw. Like I compared this to Star Trek Discovery earlier for Murphy. It's just trying so hard to pull emotions out of you that it fails because it's trying too hard. Um, and now it doesn't completely fail because there are some nice scenes in this movie. Yes, um, there, there were but they're few moments so that hard. managed to and like Martin Landau is a bit overdone. He's a bit overacting, I find. He, I mean, he's he great, does, but he's great in the film. I, I love a good Martin Landau. I've yeah, always yeah. been a fan of Martin Me Landau, too. especially since. And I want to know if you've seen this movie. Have you ever watched Ready to Rumble? Is that the one with David Arquette or whatever? Yes, and it's the professional yeah, wrestling film. Yeah, I've seen that. Fuck, movie. I love Martin Landau in that movie so much. I can't remember. So that like. Movie. But yeah. He plays he plays Gene LaBelle, like this like wrestling. Oh wow, Gene LaBelle. Like, well, Gene LaBelle esque. Yes, Gene oh, LaBelle's okay. a real guy. He plays so he's a just an old tough guy, guy. An old tough guy. An old tough wrestler guy that teaches yeah. these kids the actual ways yeah. of wrestling. He's he's meant to be Gene LaBelle, basically. Okay. So Martin Dent Landau plays a great Gene LaBelle in that movie. So I was like, oh fuck yeah, Martin Landau. So our main the guy who supposedly beat beach. up Bruce Lee. <laughs> Uh, apparently uh, <laughs> uh, so Jim Carrey Peter Upton wakes up on this beach complete amnesiac and he finds himself in the town of Lawson and everyone's like you look really familiar look really familiar and that's when we get introduced to Martin Landau's character who sees Jim Carrey walking past as he gets carried off to the doctor and he plays the character of Harry Trimbleton who lost his son Luke Trimbleton Trimble. and you find it's out Trimble 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 or something Trimble. Like Trimble yeah Trimble. Yeah, Trimble, Trimble. Anyway, so Harry Trimble finds out that he thinks his son Luke Trimble is back alive, and this is a town that has lost 62 soldiers. Now, there are moments of this all film of them, that I like. All because... of them, except for one. Like, mm. that town was crazy. Yeah. They sent like 63 of their young boys away to the World War II, and one came back without a hand. Yeah, missing a fucking hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like that sort of examination of what war does the toll of war to that's what this movie the does toll well. of war yeah it like there's and it does like, the mccarthy exam- stuff too but that's a bit heavy-handed but the, the, yeah the it's, it's a bit heavy-handed on the mccarthy stuff but the toll of war 
and the exact it, it, mm. of, of on the town it, it's really handled pretty beautifully like they don't um, that's not even heavy-handed like the one guy with the hand like jim carrey says to yes. him at one point that if because his wife asked him to dance and he's just like no and he's jim carrey says to him it's just like seems to me if a pretty woman asks you to dance and you you say no then you came back more broken than just a missing hand so but what that character has is he has survivor's guilt he's the only one in the town that survived so he's punishing himself because he has survivor's guilt he's like no i'm not dancing with a pretty woman i don't deserve to dance with a pretty woman i survived and everyone else died and they don't actually call it survivor's guilt they don't even get into it but that's 100 percent what it is and that part was very well done so yeah i was making notes when i was watching this i'd had to say the scene he had with bob in the street where he's yeah. just like you're setting this town up for heartbreak and i'm not about that and then he fucking hauls off and like cocks him because yeah. he calls he's him like i never liked luke dancing. i don't yeah. really like you either he's like but i'm he's not like, saying you are something luke. about luke that yeah <laughs> but i don't like the, the exact words were luke rubbed me the wrong way yeah there's something that about people that just rub you the wrong way and i'm not you saying you're luke. luke but you rub me the wrong way yeah. you know and it's not the same and so the thing about this movie too, and I, think, I guess that's does what call it his does character. well, but it's something I didn't necessarily enjoy about it, is because you know what's happening. Like it's it's not, it's very predictable movie. So because you know he's not Luke, the whole movie just makes you feel uneasy because everyone's pouring all this emotion and stuff into this guy that you know is a fraud, and you're just like, yes, oh, just but he's not even a fraud. He's just no, he's he's, not. he's a he's. He's a complete amnesiac, so he just kind of yeah. like fell into this moment. And his moment of realization later in the film, because after he spends months with these people and he starts to fall in love with Laurie Holden, who plays Adele Stanton. Mm -hmm. uh, Laurie Holden, fucking, she just holds a film together. Like she's good. Oh my god! And her gosh. father's played she's by so David Ogden Steers, who's also amazing. Like this has got some good yeah. actors in it. Like great actors in it. Like the mayor. Uh, it's just too heavy. Oh, the mayor. Jeffrey De Demon, Damon. Um, yeah, like, like so many good scenes. Like I, I my favorite. Thing is, okay, I'll, I'll I'll talk about my favorite character. My favorite scenes kind of stem from that character when we get. Okay, to hang on. Let me just, let me so just wrap finish this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just flat finish the plot. So our character, he spends some time with the town, gets to know the people, and then upon watching his own movie, Sand Pirates of the Sahara. Oh, sorry. Small jump, uh, him and his, his father introduces the idea of building the movie theater back up, and I need to play this scene. Okay, sure. so I'm gonna so sleep brief. This, this scene that, that uh, happens in the film, I think is an excellent speech and uh, a testament to why we sort of watch movies. So I don't know what you got up going on here. Can you tell uh, me? Just them standing in the theater deciding to reopen it. Yeah, all right, cool. So I'm just going to play this real brief. Yep. Oh, there's my favorite character right there. We're getting no volume from that, Murphy. No volume? No. What the fuck? Well, we don't worry uh, about that scene then. We got no volume on that scene. Okay. Now nah, you're on. getting nothing. That is very peculiar because there was sound earlier. 
Hmm. She gone now. But, you know, his his memory does come back. And I have a re- uh, something to say about the reason why that I thought was probably the best scene in this movie. Still no sound? Yeah, nah. Well, there's no sound because you don't have it clicked on. But I'll try. Oh, hang on. That one's broken. All right. So, just finish your plot. Or explain that scene. No, you got no sound. Nothing at all. Okay, that's a no. real pain in the ass. All yeah. right. Um, so, at about 36 minutes into the movie, about 35 minutes in the scene. Of a two and a half hour movie that could have been an hour and a half movie or hour 45. I am now looking around, and all I see is potential. Yeah. All I see is potential. And he's just like, yeah, you know, she's falling down. This but, like, the guy's been back for a day, and they're all like, here's what your new life is, and here's what you're going to do, and we're going to reopen the theater, and it's just all like... Yeah, but it's, this... it's what he says about the theater that I, I found oh, beautiful. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's I what I wanted too. to highlight here. So yeah, like, he's like, people would come in and they'd give us their ticket. didn't matter who they were. They could see a once film. Once this place was like a palace. They'd come in here and it's like a palace. Yeah. And you know, look, here's a here's a picture of what it looks like once they fix Any it. Any man, woman, and child could buy their ticket, walk right in. It, it's That's a gorgeous looking theater, you gotta say. Yeah, like, it was, it was a very gorgeous looking theater. And like, oh, I'm so cheesed that doesn't work. Anyway, yeah, so he, he, he talks about how everybody can walk into that movie theater and forget all of their problems. Yeah. And just enjoy getting out and he said, okay, so he, he specifically speaks about what it means to go to the movie theater, what it means to go walk through those doors, forget your problems, get dressed out and go. Anybody could watch a movie on TV, but where's the people? Where's the audience? Where's the, the, mm-hmm. the, the pageantry of going to the movie? You can't do that. The at pageantry is what made the tingler great. To a degree, but like... These movies connect well. We picked a good three movies. Yeah, we, they all connect well. They all have a connecting three. I'll, I'll give you that. To fucking say The Tingler's great is just nuts. I didn't say it was great. You just did say it was great. That's what makes The Tingler oh. great. I did say that, didn't I? No, yes. that's what it made it great in its day. It's pageantry. In its, its day, pageantry. sure, yes. Yeah. The pageantry of it is what made it great. And that's and that is ultimately the, the main point is what I'm trying to express here is mm. that... Going to the movies is a unique and excellent experience, and we should all strive to go to a movie theater to see a movie. Sitting at home and watching a movie, although entertaining, easy, and convenient, isn't the same because you're not with the audience enjoying the same things together. And that's something I wanted to highlight it, and that was probably one of the more important scenes out of this film. Yeah, so and it sums up they, all three They of these rebuild the Majestic. Well. I'm just going to wrap up this plot. They rebuild yep. the Majestic. Uh, and then watching his own movie, he quickly comes to the realization of who he actually is. And then this movie seems to go on for another hour longer than it needs <laughs> to because it needs to wrap up all the McCartneyism commie storyline that it set engineer. up in the first half hour. Right? Yep. And that took another and hour. But that was the. That did. That was some of the. 
I don't know. Okay. Okay. It no, was kind of better, but like my theory about Frank Darabont and what he was trying to do here now. So yeah, this is a good time, and then we'll start talking about characters. So you you're familiar with Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Jimmy Stewart. No. Okay. No. So that's a very famous movie and a very famous scene because Mr. Smith, Jimmy Stewart, goes to the Senate and had, does this big grandiose speech about you know what makes America great and all this kind of stuff. And that's exactly the same scene, basically, that Jim Carrey has to do in this. He has to stand up in front of the Senate committee and like do the exact same thing where he's just like, but this is the Constitution. You know, it's it's Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Frank Darabont wanted to do, I think, wanted to do a modern Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And because that movie has resonated so much over the years and decades that he was just super heavy-handed with everything. And what I mean by heavy-handed is just everything was too much. Every single scene lasts for either five seconds too long or 30 seconds too long or a minute too long. And that's every scene. And that could be a quick cut scene. Like there could just be a scene where he just takes a sip of water, which is already unnecessary, but you have to watch him take a sip of water for like 30 seconds. Everything is just too long, too drawn out, it takes you out of the movie because it adds boring elements to an otherwise okay film with good performances. But I think that's because he was just trying to have this resonant Mr. Smith goes to Washington, something that would just carry on through the decades and people would talk about. And that's the way Jim Carrey talked about this movie in interviews when it came out. He, I remember the interviews. He's just like, I just wanted to put something good out into the world and things like that, right? So they were all pushing for this to be very... They profound award, and it awards. and it and it didn't yep and it didn't it it didn't it didn't do yeah. what they wanted it to do and yeah it was it was very i just very... think they tried too hard um, and so so let's talk about i don't know if it's that they tried too hard i think they was just it was heavy-handed it was so heavy heavy yeah it was it, it wasn't i think it was it was heavy-handed as a term. Overdone. I didn't even use the word. No, no it's, it's not just, the right it was word. too polished. No, it was too polished. Everything was too polished. Everything was too, too much. Perfect. Too much. Just too not perfect. No, everything was no. There was. There was. It was a perfect little town that. Like, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it they didn't feel like a real world. Like, yes, exactly. The, this, the, the town of Lawson a... doesn't feel like a real world or any form of like city and anywhere really like I don't the, the fact put, that they yeah they, they went okay just to give you an idea like the scene where they where they go they're like we're gonna rebuild the majestic let's go with the business proposal mm -hmm. i'm watching that scene thinking okay they're gonna ask the town for like a budget to rebuild but they mm -hmm. don't ask the town for a they budget for to rebuild stuff. they're just like give us your broken shit and we're gonna rebuild the majestic and they're like okay cool you can have all of our broken shit well, we, we've got some workers. We'll contribute our time and effort. I've got some tools at the workshop. Let me give you some of my tools from the from the, the workshop down the street. Oh, I've got a few things. And all of a sudden, the town comes together to rebuild the Majestic. And they rebuild the Majestic. And then on opening night, the whole fucking town's like lined up block. Beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Heartstring emotions, all that shit. They're showing movies. And then Harry ends up fucking having a heart attack. And he misses the That was the too much. Reel. That was too much. It was. And, <laughs> did you get? And did you change the reel? Like that's what I mean about they're just trying to pull the emotions emotions out of you. Like they have the buddy with his war letter and his scene. Like there's just a lot of this, stuff, and, and, a lot. And of this stuff. is 
This now is, the reason this they had Harry of... die that fell into the plot a little, where it's just like it did. It fell. He it didn't fell ever have plot. to know it, it that wasn't it wasn't really thing. his son. But but this is an no. excellent sort of 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 like barometer of like between the Tingler and the Majestic of like it's so much that it becomes like bad and good right and like they they it's like the tingler's fault was that they like little, they were missing perhaps. polish they did too yeah. little in a sense yeah. and then the majestic was too like much. too fucking much too but much. the matinee was just right oh, it was like in the matinee but like if you were to compare all these three together the matinee hits the sweet spot between just a little cheesy, just a little serious, just the right amount of entertaining. We're, we're going to rank these is, in each other, but uh, against each other at the end of the show. Yeah, um, the majestic in in, a, in a, of itself is like there's really good scenes. There's some important dialogue. There's like there's like really good lines. Like my one of my favorite lines, for instance, was, "I'm leaving you, Jerry. I'm leaving, and I'm taking the monkey with me." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he grabs the monkey. Um, the river scene was all. But that's practical. just that could be that might not even have been written. That could, that's just Jim Carrey. He could have just said mm. that and they're like, "Oh, we'll keep that." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's very that's very one of his things. Um, I feeling I feel like the moment they introduced the movie theater, that was when it like really pulled me into the movie. Um, the one thing I did notice was shortly after he's like recovered on the beach and all that stuff, and he's introducing him to the house, and he falls asleep on the couch. My first thought is. You probably shouldn't be letting somebody with an obvious head injury just fall asleep on a couch like that. <laughs> I, I think apparently that's a myth. Your brain no, heals that... better when you're sleeping, so it's it, you, you don't actually have to keep. I mean, awake. there's a there's a comedian who got like a head injury because a ball hit him in the chin, and he fell asleep. And when he woke up, he got a stutter. Now he has a lifelong stutter. Well, that so like could have just been a result of the injury, not a result of the sleep. Let's just put it this way: We're not medical professionals. That's Do not true. Listen to us. <laughs> we're just, we're just, we're just spitballing here. Um, Thirty-four minutes into the movie, the first black person appeared. I was honestly expecting this movie from beginning to end to not have a person of color in it at all. Okay, I was then like let's looking go to for actors. So here's what I got oh, to yeah. say about that: Emmett, the black guy you mentioned, was easily my favorite character in this movie. Yes, he all was of a my lot favorite of fun. scenes he is in and like there's only like two or three scenes that i really really enjoy in this movie the first one is just when jim carrey walks down in the basement and he realizes emmett's living there and emmett's just like so you don't mind that i uh live here huh he's like no why do not mind he's like i ah, just check it because it's like you know he's suffers racism all the time and stuff like that so he does and he knows this guy isn't luke and the reason he knows is my favorite scene in the movie and that's the piano scene. And there's a couple yes. reasons why this is my favorite scene. One, because he plays some awesome jazz blues on the piano. But like, so this lady, the older lady who works at the theater wants him to play the classical stuff that she taught him. But he just can't remember that because of course he has amnesia. But here's the thing. So there's a lot of documented evidence and you can look at videos of this online and stuff where even people with severe, severe dementia or Alzheimer's, like they're vegetables, they can't speak, they can't feed them, so they just, they're vegetables, essentially. There's um, videos of this one fella, and there's, there's a lot of documents of this. 
but they start to play. They know his favorite uh, singer when he was younger. Favorite form was Cab Calloway. One of my favorites too. Cab Calloway's is awesome. Um, Damn good musician. Um, and they start playing it for him. And this guy who can't talk, hasn't said anything in years, starts singing along to it every word. He doesn't remember anything, can't speak, but he can sing Cab Calloway because he loves it. So there's this. There's a lot of study being done into why music seems to implant itself in the human brain a little deeper than everything else. And not only that, after they play Cab Calloway for him, he's responsive for, you know, anywhere from, you know, five minutes to an hour after that. So he basically has, he gets all his cognition back because of the music. But as soon as you take the music away, he's back to a vegetable again. So that's what I saw in this scene. He's playing this blues jazz because it's the music he loves. So his brain remembers it even regardless of the amnesia. And like the the old fe fellow with dementia in this video, that starts to bring back more cognition. That's in the movie, the part in the movie. I think Frank Darmon or the writer must have known about this uh, psychological phenomenon because that's when he starts to remember things. It was like directly after that scene, he remembers that song and then he starts to I remember. I wouldn't say directly after that scene. I think like it he is. Starts getting, but I think he starts that's getting what pieces, starts but about mm -hmm. 30 minutes after that scene, that's when like things start unraveling and like he, he does eventually remember. Um, the one thing. But anyway, Emmy stops up. He's like, I taught him that, even though he knows he didn't, because he just. He... Yeah, no, you could tell he was like, oh, I got to give these people hope. I taught him that. Yeah. So and the thing about the watch that, is the other thing I like about him. The whole time he's just like, well, if we're opening a theater, you got to buy me a watch. I need a watch. Yeah. So we start the movies on time. And then eventually he gets his watch and stuff. Good actor. I really like that character, Emmett. Yeah. Um, about that, like, that piano scene, when I was watching that, um, it, I liked how he's like, I don't know, fucking classical music. Because in reality, if you're a person that doesn't know how to play, you're not just going to fucking know how to play the piano like you're not just gonna pick it up the the moment like i would okay here here's here's that's a perfect scene for me to be like okay i'm into this i believe this he's struggling to like perform music mm -hmm. uh he doesn't he obviously doesn't know this is going to be a revelation that he's not the person they say he is and then he just starts playing fucking jazz mm -hmm. and that is a moment where i'm like ah you're losing me movie you're getting ridiculous. You're getting, you're getting. You're <laughs> getting because it's you're real. Getting... That's a real phenomenon. Well, and yes, it's a real phenomenon, but that leads to the like the idea that his character are always knew how to kind of play the piano. So like yes, his character did. Well, they both, don't both establish that. Well, uh, yeah, but they, they don't didn't establish... establish that with Peter Appleton. Yes, they don't establish with Peter yeah. Appleton that he that he plays the piano at any point in the movie. But we don't get a lot of that very moment. Well, for sure. All we know about Peter Appleton is he made a movie called Sandparks of Sahara, and he went to a commie party. Yes, I I get that, but like again, he he he, he, he just fuck. I lost my train of thought, dude. Um, you didn't like the jazz. He, it's just not that I didn't like the jazz. The jazz was fine. What I didn't like was the fact that they're just like, oh, this character, you should just need to believe that he plays piano. Like, not everybody can play the piano. I don't expect a writer of movies to know how to play fucking jazz piano. So it's that, that little overarching ham... Yes, he could, but that overarching yes. ham-fisted 
plot. It's, it's a lot of just cause. convenience. Just cause. Is, there's a lot of just cause. Yes, it, there's a lot of just cause in this movie. A lot of plot convenience. A lot of everything's a little too perfect. A the little amnesia too is polished. the first example. They're just like. And well, how he I remembers mean, yes. movies. He forgets everything, but he always remembers the movies. Yes, exactly. Like, they're just not picking up on the things that he's actually remembering and, like, putting two and two together. Like, this, this town's very in the disbelief that they want it to be this miracle. And he's very much like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. And he's just rolling with the punches because, again, he doesn't know what the they're fuck's nice going on. to him. They're being nice to him. No, there's a nice town and all that yeah. stuff. Like, it was, it was all that shit. It's just, like, those little moments of convenience are what pull pull me out of the movie ultimately for instance and and we're going to talk about this the lighthouse scene that's the one yes that the is the one it fucking looks terrible lighthouse scene it. it doesn't look as bad oh, in this picture yeah when in you're watching still the movie, image, it doesn't look like, like this background okay. here like they're clearly just like pasted on top of it. It looks terrible when they could have just went to a lighthouse. Just drive here, to here, a here, here, here. lighthouse. Let, let me let me let me take over for a second. Okay. Let me take over for a second. There's I got another this one. right up pulled up right here. No, yeah, 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 let me take over. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the lighthouse scene is by far the worst in the whole movie. And that's kind of when I was okay. done with the movie. And they're like, oh, by the way, there's another hour and a half. It's like, oh my god. But yeah. So yeah, this whole this scene terrible. was ridiculous. Yep. Like compositionally, like it's it's a pretty like it's a good composition scene, like compositionally, but like between the color and like the way they present this scene, it is painfully obvious that it's a green screen. The way oh, they shot so it, painful. it's so painful. like, look at this. This oh. is so green screen. This is not a natural camera movement, right? You're not just no. gonna have a fucking dolly zoom in thirty feet off the ground. I think that's what <laughs> like, adds to like freaking sixty feet off the ground. Like that's way Dude, up. Dude, yeah, like it's a lighthouse. This is not. Yeah, it's not a. It's <laughs> not a natural lighthouse. like camera setup, right? No, it's like it's it's, it's pretty. Like, this is going to be the background. But then it gets worse from here because then they go, let's have over-the-shoulder shot for shot, shall we? Let's just go over-the-shoulder and fucking... This is taking a minute to, like, load, but whatever. It'll do its thing. These shots were so obviously green screen. They were so fucking bad. Like, this was the moment that really took you out of the movie. Yep. And... And you know he did this because he wanted to have this sunset, perfect lighting, all leading towards... too much. Yeah. It's too much, much. right? And she gets the hiccups and she's like, there's only one thing that's going to stop me from getting hiccups. Oh, I hated this. I don't even want to talk about it. I hated it so much. Kissing doesn't take away the hiccups. It was the stupidest writing I've ever heard. I hated that line. So god-awful. And it was all built and designed for this shot. This shot yep. here, it was all yep. built and designed because yep. Joe or, or, or fucking Frank Darabont Frank was like, this is a gorgeous shot. I need to have this make sense. Yeah. And, and and that, by making that make sense, it turns out to be like the worst scene in the entire fucking movie. Easy. So, so bad. So um, while we're on characters and actors, which performance would you hold up? Ooh, um... 
Martin Landau, he really sells it as like the 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 dad that just really wants to believe that his son is is alive. And, and you can imagine that even he him. knows it's not. Like everyone else yeah, like, like, comes to the realization that they're like, look, I always kind of knew. But he doesn't get Yeah, that. even even on his deathbed, you're like you, like yeah. you know, Jim Carrey's like, I'm not and and, and yeah, he just can, like, goodbye. Look in his eyes is like yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm really, really kind of willing to accept this truth if you say it. And then he's like, not willing to say goodbye. And then he's like, okay, you're my son. And then he fucking dies with that fantasy. Like, yeah, sure, sure, okay, what have you. Um, another, another character, I honestly, um, I did like, I did like, uh, uh, Lori Holden's character in it. I thought she was she a was pretty fun. good leading actress. You know, um, I liked her lawyer scene where she's telling him why he should stand up to the Congress. Yeah, yeah, and good. just like trying to like keep him somewhat grounded. Um, mm. I wrote down fifty five forty nine the basement scene. I, f- I forget why I wrote that down. Oh, the statue. I... They go down there with the statue. Yeah, I thought the statue was cool. Well, because they, they tease that early on. They're like, uh, President Roosevelt gave us a statue, but we all felt too horrible to put it up. No one wanted to be reminded of their dead children, you know. Yeah. But then they put um, it, he puts it in front of the Majestic at the end. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and then there's the big... I get why that's in. There's the big Mr. Smith goes to Washington scene, which is him here with the Congress. And they're grilling him hard, and the lawyers are all just telling him to take the deal because they have a deal set up for him. They're like, "Look, you just have to admit to being a commie, say you're sorry, and you'll be fine." Right. But, this is why I said the basement scene because this scene was just so like out of the blue and random. He's just like sitting there. Oh, that basement dog scene. waiting. I like this. Yeah, scene. this basement scene. Yeah. Yeah, the dog just has this crazy stare too. He's like, "What's the dog's name?" He's like, "Dog." Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> No, Emmett's good, man. I like him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the scene with Bob was so fucking good. Um, just, like, the way they, they, like, sort of, like, confronted each other. Um, oh, yeah. The reopening, the I found, yeah. was... was uh, The reopening of the, 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 the theater itself, I thought, was a sweet scene. Like, how everybody came together it was like that was the moment i think in the movie i was waiting for was the the rebuilding of the whole theater um it was a little brief i don't know if it was brief i don't know if it was i think there could have been i don't know if there could have been more to it or not i just you know what i think what it was was jim carrey jim carrey's character really just did the paperwork and played the piano and then the rest of the town built the fucking theater around him, you know? But you know what I think the biggest plot hole in this movie is? The performance I would hold up is is Emmett. Yeah. Mm. Pretty pretty easily. Yeah, stuff. yeah. He he he's, he kept a, a bit of a grounding to it, you know? He was um, like, but, he was like, you know, this is why we're doing the theater. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, the um, town needs the theater, and he's just like, and the town needed you and everything. But the biggest plot hole in this movie is when he first walks into the town and all these different people see him and they're all just like, oh, you kind of look familiar. But through the rest of the whole movie, it's all about how close everyone in this town was and how they all grew up together and they all know each other so well. Anyone in that town would have recognized him right away. Not to mention the father 
of his fiance says that he's just like oh you know you sort of look familiar your friggin almost son-in-law you wouldn't recognize after five years yeah like it's that plot hole bothered me the whole friggin movie i was just like what anyway yeah his yeah, own father looks just... at him once and doesn't even notice and he looks at him the second time he's just like oh my god that's my son like yeah and then like the pictures they yeah. show of luke trimble are like he just looks like jim carrey of... with a slightly fatter chubbier face, face. like they're yeah. just like slightly photoshopped jim carrey you know yeah. like they picked a body and then they kind of did a little jim carrey photoshop on the face and then yeah. this leads to which I found to be one of the most shocking character reveals in the end of this movie, which was Luke Tremblay himself, played by Matt Damon. Is that who that voice was? I thought that I knew was I recognized Matt the voice. Damon doing the voice of Luke Tremblay. As yeah. P- yeah, I knew it was somebody Peter I knew. Appleton's, yeah, yeah. Peter Appleton's reading the the final love letter that Luke Tremblay wrote yeah. to Holden's character, and it was okay. Matt fucking Damon, and I was well, like, have it. "Where yeah. did that come from?" Um, so I mean, yeah, let's let's just discuss what we already did: the setting and aesthetic. But the settings in California, some of it looks okay when it, they're not using green screen, and the theater's gorgeous. So a lot of that's nice. But again, the green yeah. screening, not so great. That's about all I have to say about the setting and aesthetic. What about you? Um, I, I enjoyed the practical set pieces that they did the use for the film. The, the real the reels uh, and stuff were cool. The, the reels, the reels, the theater, um, the, 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 like, the lighting of the actual front of the Majestic. Like that shit looks gorgeous. Like I don't know um, about you, but even at a theater now, I love seeing the beam of the projection coming out of the upper window you know like i love that light beam yeah just few nice shots of that yeah no they 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 played the scenes of the the theater really well um the more like daylight open street shots were good um they're fun you know it was a colorful town like this the mabel's sign is quite colorful it was it was very what was that film uh, it was a black and white film, but eventually becomes color. Um, do you know Wizard which one I'm talking about? <laughs> no, it wasn't Wizard of Oz. It was like specifically like Pleasantville. That's what it was called. Oh, Pleasantville, right? Yep, with uh, yeah. Jeff Daniels. Yeah, yeah. the The film had the very Pleasantville polished town vibes that like yeah. is just not existent these days. Yeah. Well, here's okay. Here's what I want to mention about the characters. We've got past the characters, but the great thing about um, matinee is not only are the characters great performances and good characters, but they all seem like real people. Whereas in a bad movie, which I might I may have to label the majestic, we'll see, is other than the couple of characters they really want to focus on, like Jim Carrey and Laurie Holden, mostly, the other characters seem so fake. Like the scenes where they're mm. like all in the restaurant and stuff, it's just so corny and unbelievable and like nothing seems real and i don't know if they're trying to do that to kind of put you into a different kind of world or setting or whatever but it didn't work for me yeah it's not it felt like the town of lawson was like a vacation from the harsh reality of los angeles and the mccarthyism world around them and he was in this little bubble of nostalgia that eventually gets bursted open you know 
Um, I will no. admit, though, the scene where like he goes through all the, the 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 trial and he speaks his truth and he just walks out on Congress and they're just like, "Fuck it, let him go," you know. Well, they have to because they don't want to murder him at that point because they all start. Shooting. Yeah, because he just he literally just spoke for the fist the First Amendment, and they're and he, not like, going to shit all over that. Luke Trimble's Medal of Honor and stuff, and he's trying to yeah. speak through that perspective. He's like, "What would you say to which, Luke Trimble?" That scene, that, which that, that scene was, a, was scene. a little infuriating. There, there was there was it's the Mister Smith. Yeah, like there was like the all the audience is like they won't shut the fuck up so you can actually hear what he's saying. But he keeps hammering, he won't stop hammering. Yeah. And it's like, how can anybody hear what the fuck he's saying right now? And then he holds up the the, the symbol and then everyone's like Yeah. You know, and then he finishes. It's just too much. No one in that room would even notice that medal of honor. Like Exactly, right? Like nobody behind him, nobody like the you know. Things so keep like happening in this movie that just like bother that. you and it lingers throughout the movie and you're just like, all oh, these things are bothering me. So, you know what? Yeah. We have to ask ourselves something here, Murphy. No, not does it hold up. Does it does measure, it measure up? up? And I'm going to answer this does... first and I'm going to say it does not. It does not Do, measure now, up. Now, I need to much. get a little clarification. Does it measure up to films of the past, the films that we spoke of prior or just measure up as a good movie in whole? Well, just how, it's kind of vague. Like, just how we ask ourselves, does it hold up? And in some sense, we're asking ourselves, can we watch it now in modern times and enjoy it? Does it measure up? Is asking that, but also asking, does it measure? For me, it's it's more of a question of, does it measure up to past movies? Because I think they're better. For you, you might have to ask yourself a different question or just think of that question differently. But to me, does it measure up to... Because there are differences. There are differences between last century's movies and modern movies. And this one has too much of what I don't like of modern movies, which is that too much, too many movies now are just too much. And it's not good much. It's just that you're just adding things. You just... Just to just to put them in there, yeah, man. Yeah, like movies. Every movie I've seen in the last, except for a couple. I love that uncut gems movie by Adam Sandler. He was. I haven't yet to watch that yet. I need to watch. That's a freaking great movie, and there's some other ones, but most modern movies now, I could easily cut a half hour out of, and they would be better. Even if they're only an hour and a half movies, it would be better as an hour probably. I I would agree that waste. There's so much waste. They don't need to be there, and they're doing it for yes. like artistic vision and stuff like that. But it doesn't work all the time, and too often now it doesn't. It's just waste. Depends. I don't on like the, wasted dialogue or wasted scenes, and that's why I love like things, especially as far back as the Tingler. I'm not saying that era is my favorite, but nothing's wasted. Like you say, you it it rings to you kind of like exposition, but it's it's not wasted. Every every sentence in that movie is needed. To tell the story i don't think every sentence in the tingler is needed i think they probably could have done compared a, a bit of story to the majestic they could have compared to the okay listen which the tingler which the, there, there are moments the in the tingler there are there are expositional scenes in the tingler that they probably could have simply portrayed with visuals but yeah, they ended up talking about well, it instead maybe because they had the visuals the, not a lot of there's, the there's, Listen, there's a lot of exposition. And what, whether you want to remember it or not, 
There's a lot of exposition in that movie. Almost every scene in The Tingler is exposition of some form, not just the everything Alfie said was exposition. Yes, exactly. And a lot of his scenes were in that movie. He had a lot of majority scenes in that movie between him and Vincent Price. And Vincent Price's mm-hmm. scenes were exposition. A lot of the scenes between Vincent Price and his student were exposition. So, like, meh. That does being said, does, does the Majestic measure up to The Tingler? No, and does it measure matinee? up to the quality cinema of the past century? Because what we're asking about these old movies are do they hold up to the standards of today? But to reverse that, you have to like picture it in mind. Standard standard... I, I just figure I, I looked at it more as do they hold up to like are they are they movies that hold up in their rewatchability? Like even to I would never watch the Majestic today. again. I, would I don't think I would ever watch the Majestic again either. Um, no. do, does it measure up compared to the movies of the past? To the Tingler, uh, it's better. To the Matinee, Matinee is better than the Majestic, in my opinion. Okay, the well, Majestic... there's your rankings. That was going to be my next question, the rankings. The way yeah. I would rank these is slightly different. I would say easily Matinee is the best, and then the Tingler, and then Matinee. Because Matinee... Or Marky. I could, or I could remove an entire movie's worth of time from it, and it would probably make it better. You mean the Majestic? You're speaking of the Majestic. But yes, yeah, the Majestic. Um, so yeah, would I say the majestic measures up? Uh, no, I would agree that the majestic doesn't entirely measure up because it is it is a movie that is very much two thousand and one. Um, it has a lot of the old film bones, but it also leads a lot into the modern cliches that make modern movies kind of just feel empty. And in two thousand and one, um, you can do a lot better green screen than that. A lot better. Yeah, agreed. Especially a lot in better 2008. green screen. Yeah, and like Jurassic Park did way such... better green screen in back in '93. It was '94. Yeah, '93 and '94. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, way better. I mean, that movie yeah, no, like a lot of molds, though. I mean, Jurassic Park's basically a perfect movie as well. But... Yeah, the the majestic, like the fact that that lighthouse scene is so glaringly bad is is <sighs> unforgivable. And it was um, long. Like everything in this movie, it was too long. That scene was so long. Lighthouse scene. It was. It was. There was. There again. There was a lot of of too long, and it and it does suffer from that two thousand and one standard of where they think a, a big blockbuster, heavy summer release movie because it was a summer release movie. It was supposed to be the heavy drama of the the summer um, and of Jim Carrey's it, career. He wanted to become yeah, a and, actor, yeah. actor from this. Yes, that it was before he got to do Sunshine. Yeah, Sunshine's Wonderland. <laughs> yeah, right. And honestly, I haven't watched that film. I have not watched that. You've film ever seen Eternal one. Sunshine of a Spotless I'm, Mind? No, I've never seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless okay. Mind. Okay, so I've seen it once. Someday. So we can cover that. And I don't remember yeah. it very well, but I remember it was better than this. Um, all right. Well, so, you yeah. know what? I think we've covered everything here. Um, that's our podcast. How we're going to do it, people? I think. You know, there was a lot of extra business to cover being our first uh, episode, so I suspect the normal runtime will probably come in more like two hours, which is yeah, good we got a, we got to a, talk about few, three movies, because I talk wrinkles. about a 20-minute X-Men cartoon for almost two hours every week. So Yeah, we we got a few <laughs> wrinkles to iron out in this presentation yep. of the show, um, but if you did enjoy watching this with us, um, I thank you for spending the time. 
uh, listening to the two idiots ramble about movies that nobody's probably watched in the past 20 years, let alone, let alone. But you should uh, watch Matinee. We both yes, you should that. watch Matinee. Go watch Out of all, if you're going to watch any of the movies that we talked about today, Matinee is 100% worth your time and should be viewed by everybody at some point in their life. Um, Agreed. I, you can leave the majestic and the tingler on the table. Depends on your your, prefer, your general tastes. preferences and views. But no, um, here's why. Taste. Here's why you should have ranked tingler above matinee, because tingler makes matinee better. It does. It feels in context. I will. Yeah. I will lead to the fact that tingler does make matinee better. But you could watch, watch tingler the trailer. Then you could watch the trailer of the Tinger, Tingler and watch Matinee and still... Well, we already ones. gave them the trailer, so go watch Matinee. There you go. Just go watch All Matinee, right. yeah. So we're going to end our show here with our coming attractions where we will show you the trailers for next episode's movies. So we won't... Like we did yep. this episode where we showed you the trailers at the start. We're not going to do that next episode. You get the trailers at the end. So, I don't know. Are, I'm gonna de- yeah. we'll discuss this because I yeah, right. to be fair, I kind of liked rewatching the trailer before we discussed it. I did it too, actually. It gave me a, a ah, bit of a refresher. Right. All right, right, never mind. But we're still gonna show and them. It, now. And if nobody's ever seen the movie, they can watch the trailer and get a test. But yes, for now, it, for next week's episode, purpose, watch yeah. these coming attractions. This is the be the last you see. Wait, uh, quick question. Yeah. Did you? get the latest coming attractions that i sent you with the like yeah. the proper ending with the ufp ending oh i don't know we'll see what we get no I'm gonna okay play okay this okay up. let me let me let me let me let me i got this I think, I got i'm this i'm sure i did i just didn't watch it through yeah yeah so let me uh let me do this one here no because yours all have that yeah. green bar i don't want to look at that green bar well let me just test first and then we'll see do you see a green bar Oh, shit. I think it's doing Yep, Yep, it's there. So I'm going to do it. All right. Okay, fine. All right. See you later, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, We look forward to bringing this podcast to you on a basically bi-weekly basis. Oh, we have a comment. Want to comment before we go? Unless it's more of this... uh... Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Merrick TV says, thanks, guys. Have a great night. You too, man. Thanks for you too, brother. Or, thanks so much. Or uh, sister. Not sure. That's a... All right. Oh, wait, so... wait, wait. Sorry. It's not oh. the coming attractions. It's the hold up curtains closed. Did you get the Oh, yeah, I get that. Closed? Okay. The get one that. with the sound? No. Okay. I've got the one with sound. So you play coming attractions, and then I'll take this. If it'll work. We'll see. It'll Let's work. See. It'll work. I think it'll work. All right. Later, everybody. Love you guys.
regular. Is that the way Jenny Williams was killed? Yes. Find something? Animal tracks. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, don't hand me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf bit you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You wouldn't want to run away with a murderer, would you? Oh, Larry, you're not. You know you're not. I killed Bela. I killed Richardson. If I stay here any longer, you can't tell who'll be next. Did you hear that? I heard that. What was it? Could be a lot of things. Yeah? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David, but you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. I'm going to the police. Jack was right. Jack is dead. Yeah, Jack is dead and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops. Oh, be serious, would you? Oh! You can't let them go. Should the world know our business? It's murder, then. Then murder it is. Excuse me. I'm a werewolf. A werewolf? Naked American men stole my balloons. What?
terror of Werewolf by Night. Tonight, it is every hunter for themselves. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you. But one of you is a monster. Masquerading as one of our own. I can't wait to find out what breed of evil you are. Please don't do this. 